What's up, Sifters? Welcome to Game Face, episode 69, <laughs> right here on Sifted. Hope you guys are doing good. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, I know Matt and I did. We do have a great show for you guys tonight. Uh, we're going to talk to you about PlayStation Experience, which is coming next week. We're going to give you a preview of that. We're also going to give you an update on the site. And we're going to talk about Final Fantasy 15 now that it's out in the wild. And there's something strange afoot at the Game Awards. Yeah, and last but certainly not least, we're doing our Turkey Awards for Thanksgiving 2016. Let's go! Here we are, Friday night, Black Friday night, by the way. Yep. I feel like we are the only people working in the entire world right now. Uh, certainly in Los Angeles. Yeah. <laughs> empty. It empty is empty here. It's the quickest drive I've ever had to our studio, and I think all three of us could probably mm-hmm. say the same thing. So here we are on Black Friday. We're going to talk about Black Friday in a bit, but first, we're going to talk about Final Fantasy 15. As you guys all know, or probably know, the game is out in the wild now. Tons of retailers have broken street date and like on, a, on a scale I don't never seen in recent, never yeah. seen a game break street date like this before. And uh, we living in Los Angeles are some of the lucky benefactors of being able to play Final Fantasy 15 early. Uh, Matt, how far along are you into the game at this point? Uh, I'm about like between 17, 20 hours in there somewhere now. Mind you, that doesn't mean I'm that far in the story. Right. I'm like chapter four in the story. Okay. Um, and uh, so I've been like doing a lot of the open world stuff. You know, a lot of the hunting missions, side quest, a lot of side quests to do. Most of which is just sort of fetch quest stuff. So I'm, but I'm, I, I know how it's rolling. You know, my guys are like level twenty six. You know, we're okay. we're up there. So um, twenty hours in, that's a pretty good spot to be able to form at least a solid opinion. The one thing about this game is, is at a certain point, it yeah. It turns into a different game. Yeah, it does the reverse of Final Fantasy XIII. I think it's around Chapter 9. It becomes a linear game for the rest of the hall. And we were talking before the show, actually, and we had talked about this, I don't know, about a month ago on the show, about how we were surprised that a game would do that. It would kind of turn into a completely different game, but you have a pretty good hypothesis on why that is, yeah. right? Well, a lot of pe- I haven't gotten to that point yet, but a lot of people that I've seen talking about it online seem to think that that's basically where it becomes the game that Versus Thirteen was. That you basically took the end of Versus 13 and like bolted it on to the end of this open world idea. Um, it kind of makes sense. It might make sense. I mean, I don't, you know, who knows uh, what happened in those 11 years <laughs> of development they've gone through. But like, it would make sense. And, and you know, there have been some people saying that you, you see a tonal shift, a kind of a shift in things. Like, so that might be the, might be the case. Now, that why they tacked this huge open world thing at the front of it. I don't really know, because um, it's not very good. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I, I have so many questions about this game. Like, it is, there's, like, no element of it that I can just accept and say, oh, they did this because, this, because none of it works. Like, I don't what think, do you mean by it works? I, like, I don't think any of it works. Do you mean it works, it doesn't work together, or it just doesn't work, period? For the most part, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like... <laughs> It's here's the thing, like there's you know, so it's an open world game, right? But it's like an open world game kind of it reminds me of Xenoblade Chronicles X. Okay. Where it's like this is huge open world, 
and I hope you like picking up little glowing circles that represent well, items. We're, we're just showing that right there, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, this is the demo from from before, which is uh, non-representative of the game. Like so far, I've mostly just run around in the desert and the wetlands. Uh, that's the thing that I really can't like piece together. How do you get to this from where you are? Yeah, I mean, maybe this. this <laughs> I guess maybe this is a flashback. Here's the like the, the game opens with what I assume is a flash forward because all the characters look older. They all okay. look like in their twenty, like late twenties, kind of. And they're fighting, like, some guy on a throne who's firing out flame everywhere. And they take cover behind a little, like, stone wall thing. And everybody's face and limbs, like, clip through each other's clothing. Yeah. And I'm like, you couldn't, like, finesse this scene, like, my first impression to, like, not look like something out of a PS2 game. And Matt, like, I think at a certain point, though, they had to just cut their losses. I guess Because, so, I mean, they, like, they have to put it out But you gotta front-load this shit. Like, everybody knows that, like, you know, 20% of your audience is gonna finish the game. Aren't but gonna make it Everybody's gonna play the yeah. beginning, so make the beginning as polished as you can. And there's a lot of, like... Man, I'm try- I'm just trying... I don't, I don't know if I even have, like, a structure to all the things to say about this game, because, like... Um, Look, a lot of this. I guess I'll deal with the mechanical shortcomings of it first. Like, yeah, let's talk. The, uh, to me, you know, I've always said I'm a gameplay first guy. So mm. what I'm most interested to hear about is the gameplay. What you're actually doing, because this game is probably going to be sixty hours. Yeah. Oh, easily. Yeah. Like maybe more. I, I mean, hundred hours probably if you're doing everything minimum. Yeah. Um, so like if if you've played the the demo here, like you've kind of got an, a handle on what what the gameplay is on a base level, but like. It's much more group oriented in the final game because you've got your three friends with you and like, but you have no real control over them except when they do their super moves, which miss a lot, um, which is weird because they take up like a bar that you have to build up anyway. I like I can't tell if they miss because that's stats in, probably. No, they miss because the enemies aren't in front of them anymore. Like what? it's all positional. Like right. like they tr- like they try to kind of auto aim on whatever enemy you told them to attack, but a lot of times the enemy will like do like a jump attack or something, they'll no longer be there, and the guy will just do the move anyway. Into air. Into nothing. Oh. And like, I can't tell if that's an intentional hazard of the game being a 3D positional real-time system, or if it's just broken. I like, think I don't... That, a lot of that would pivot on just how predictable the enemy's animations are. Not if at you, all. If you can't predict way. them, then no, that's a broken chaos. system. The, the fighting in this game is chaos. Like, really? Like, you can set it to like a wait mode, where every time you stop moving the character, it freezes. But, I mean, you're fighting, like, seven, eight, nine, ten, like, you know, wolves or soldiers or whatever at once. And, like, you don't have time to figure out where everybody is. And you have no control over what the other three are doing. So they're, like, attacking what... I mean, you can direct them at a target. But once that target falls, they'll switch to whatever. Um, is there a time to pause in battle? To, no, 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 You have to no, do no. all this on the fly. I mean, you, you can... have to assign like, the enemy that they're supposed to attack while everything's yeah, happening. Yeah, I mean, you can, like I said, you can stop... Do the, just pick the mode where you stop moving and, like, everything freezes, and you can kind of Then like, you can decide. set it But there is no real setup. Like, you can just say, like, everybody attack this thing. Right. Or you can activate the, whatever super move you have, uh, you know, like, like, power move you have uh, assigned to each character. Uh, and beyond that, um, everybody's just sort of going. And uh, you hold down, you know, you hold down the circle button, and he just automatically attacks, and you can do the, the blade warp, this blade warp thing, where, like, it's weird. Like, if you want, you have a blade warp ability, so you can, like, kind of basically ram guys and like sometimes you knock them off their feet gives you an advantage that kind of thing and then like but that uses mp and if you run out of magic points you like go into this like like this sort of like disabled state and so you can do this thing where you like 
warp the blade warp to like higher points, and that instantly recovers all your MP. Well, it's like a grappling so hook, like, right? It kind of works like one. Sort of, but it's all automa- automated. And then, really? Like, as soon as you get up there, your MP is full, and you can like jump right back down. So like it's kind of like it feels so it's almost a way they're forcing you to use the mechanic. No, it's more like a band-aid on the fact that like you burn through MP so fast they didn't want you to have to use items constantly. So like they put in like this like you know perch ability so you can instantly get it back and keep fighting. Are there perches everywhere, everywhere. in the game? I've okay. never had a fight where there wasn't something like even that. like so, out in the desert. Oh yeah, you like jump on a rock or something. Okay, like always. Uh, and like there's a lot of MMO to it in terms of like big open world. Things just wandering around, you know, like, like Xenoblade Chronicles. Xenoblade Chronicles X is really close to it, except I thought Xenoblade Chronicles X was more interesting because, yeah, I don't even know why I thought it was more interesting <laughs> at this point. Because I burned out on that game eventually, even though I did pick it as one of my favorite games of the year. Because yeah. I did play it for like fifty hours before I got sick of it. Right. Um, but it really has that kind of sterile world problem where it's like, yeah, you're out in this thing, and it looks amazing, and there's like weird uh, otherworldly stuff happening in it. But like, you're just like every item in the game is a little glowing orb. You know, there's no sense of place in terms of what you're picking up or what you're looking for. There's no random um, encounters, right? Like, enemies don't just appear out of nowhere. Oh, and yeah, attack. they do. Oh, they do. Um, Even with the open world, yeah. enemies wandering Like, I don't know if it's thing. intentional, but a lot of times they'll just spawn. And, like, so, you know, I'll and be doing something. It's like, they're like, oh, oh, here come the wolves. I'm like, oh, they weren't here five seconds ago, but okay. <laughs> and then, like, once you, I mean, once you start, like, the, the, the plot proper, which I'll get into why that's presented the worst in anything I've played in a long time, uh, but, like, you know, you're in conflict with this empire, you know, the Nif- Niflheim Empire, because everything has to be stolen from Norse mythology for some reason. And uh, they just have, like, drop ships of soldiers flying around, and, like, every, you'll be, do- tra- you'll be tra- doing something else, and th- they'll be like, uh, you know, one of your guys will be like, like, soldiers overhead, and they'll just, like, drop, like, 20 dudes down, and you have to fight them on. They're all, like, they're always, like, you, you know, I'm, by the time that happened, I was, like, level 17. Right. And all the soldiers are, like, level 3 to 8. So, like, they're just cannon fodder. But, like, it's, and you're just fighting the same thing over and over again. Um, the enemies are repetitive. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Like, like it does, it does, like there's a couple memorable boss fights so far, but like the combat is like functional but boring at this point. And like, um, you know, you have magic. You know, like, you, know, you have to craft all the magic out of like com- components. Like you draw stuff near campsites. You draw like elemental shit, and like that lets you craft magic. And the magic is limited numbers of use based on how much you craft it. How flexible is the crafting though? Can you really just come up with unique spells that maybe somebody else doesn't come up with? No. No? I mean, it's, it's like you can, you have fire, lightning, and, and ice, and then, like, you can put one more component in, and, like, so, like, whatever item you put in, can maybe, maybe it'll make a thunder spell into Thundara, or Thundara. Gotcha, gotcha. Like, it's all the standard Final Fantasy stuff. You have to, just have to figure out which component item, like, you know, morphs the basic combination of the three elements into whatever you want. Got um, So, like, you have to discover it, but, like, you could easily just refer to a chart and get everything, I'm sure. Um, so that's kind of the gating of the spell system in this, is you never learn spells, really. You just have to be able to craft them, and to craft them, you need certain items. So the limit to the spell stuff is what you craft. Here's the thing, though. Uh, at one point, maybe 15, 16 hours into the game, I look through the trophies, because you, you can't actually look at the trophies online yet, because they're not, they don't exist yet. Right. You have to look at them locally. So I look at them locally, and I had almost all the, like, the, you know, you do thing for the first time. Like, a third of them are all do this for the first time. Right. And I realized, it, I did not have the one for using magic. <laughs> you never used in it. 15 hours, I had never used magic. Really? Because it's pointless. It's pointless. 
to me it's wow. I mean maybe things become much more elementally dependent later and I you need to use them which is possible but the other reason I don't use them is because uh, magic is area effect and they can it can damage your allies mm. so I find it much more efficient to the just risk be, reward yeah isn't worth I find it. it much more efficient to beef up my sword and just go in swinging um, over and over speaking and of which over, how does that over. feel the sword combat in the melee mm. Like, it's, it's weightless, basically. That's yeah. the way it's looked in a lot of uh, the demos that they've shown so yeah. far. There's, there's no, visceral is not a word I would apply to this game in any sense ever at uh, all. I don't know that I would ever apply that to any Final Fantasy no, game, though. That's not like, really its style. But it's like... A lot of this game feels like kind of, not an apology, but sort of an addressing of that thing they said when the HD era first began, where, like, we can't make Final Fantasies the way we used to because we can't make cities anymore. Because right. it's too, too expensive and all the assets and da 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 well, clearly this game is in some way as a rebuttal of that excuse they made years ago because, like, the world's huge. It's, I mean, huge, huge. And, like, the first... Huge. Huge. <laughs> huge. And there's a lot of, like, but the first, like, like major... It's very bigly. It's not a city, <laughs> but it's like a, it's like a settle, you know, it's a mid-sized city, I guess. It's big. There's alleyways everywhere. You can go find little shops. Or I mean, it's it's like yeah. It's but a is real it worth setting. is it worth exploring? You said there's shops no, and stuff. It's not, no, it's not. I mean, you'll find little items in corners that you'll never use. Uh, there's shop. You know, the main reason I was exploring is because item shops sell soundtracks from the other Final Fantasy games you can play in the car. Uh, okay. And so I was looking for those basically. Um, other than that, like I don't think I bought anything except uh, fishing lures. Um, there's a lot of fishing. Uh, that's his, and that's, it's his favorite thing is fishing. Noctis, the main character. <laughs> and let me tell you, man, um, I think you're supposed to like these characters. Game doesn't try to make you like you. Here's one of the weirdest things about this. Then game. Then why do you think you're supposed to like them if the game doesn't? Because the way the like dialogue it. is presented, it's, it's clearly you're supposed to think like be like, oh, this is like a bro road trip, and we're like all wacky. A road over. trip. We're on a bro trip. Road trip. <laughs> But Noctis is, like, the most, like, he's an asshole. And, like, not even, like, an asshole in the way... He's an asshole the way Squall was, where it's, like, everybody's trying to interact with him, and he's just like, like That's literally <laughs> astounding. Like, there's... So, so here's the thing. Like, um, I, don't know, people, I don't know if people know about the cross-media stuff in this game, but there was an anime series that was released on, you know, YouTube and, you know, in partnership with Crunchyroll, I think, called... Uh, uh, Brotherhood, yeah, and uh, then there's Kingsglaive, the CG movie, which tells the which story, is a prequel, of, kind of a prequel to the thing, story of the game, but also kind of the big ending of Kingsglaive uh, happens concurrently with the first like five quests of this game, but you're never introduced to these characters. Like, like the first thing in the game is you're all they're all standing in front of the king, Noctis's father, and he's like, "All right, you got to go, go to this other city and marry this chick." And he's like, oh, sure, okay, whatever. You know, like, like Nox is like, oh, whatever, fine. And like, he's gonna get like, married. Goes, he's gonna go get married. <laughs> and like, and the others are like, oh, yeah, but, you know, doing that same thing like in World of Final Fantasy, where everybody's like doing that kind of that weird like Japanese live action comedy comedy relief thing, like, oh, oh yeah, like that just thing. Just over exaggerated. Yeah. And it's just like that weird yeah. over exaggerated acting style. It's like, dude, you need to sell ten million copies of this. This is not the way to go about. <laughs> You know, like, like, like I, I understand that it's like the culturally like um, you know appropriate thing, a way of presenting that kind of content, but it doesn't work once you leave the island. Right. You know, like it needs to be a little more universal, I think. Um, and the, the English voice actors are trying their best, and they do much better than World of Final Fantasy does, but it's still weird and awkward. But so you leave, and as a, on the way out of the castle, like your father catches up to you uh, again. 
And the funny thing is, like, the first shot, the shot of the guy on the throne, he's, like, the standard taciturn JRPG king. And then when he comes out of the castle to catch up to you, he's, like, got a brace on his leg, and he's all, like, he's, like, wait, wait, Noctis. And he like, tries to kind of have this warm father moment with him, right. but Noctis is, like, whatever. You know, like, he's just, like, you know, he's, <laughs> so like, he's like the, the whole, this whole crew is kind of, like, the too cool for school. No, the others aren't, but he is. Oh, really? And, like... And, and, like, there's a lot of backstory to these, because I started looking it up, because the thing is, like, that's all you get. Then the guys get in the car. So you have, like, no idea what the hell's who, going you on. You have there. no idea who these people are. You, there's no introduction to who they are, why they are, what they're doing, why, why they know each other. Which is storytelling 101. Right. And then, worse off, so, like, this was, like, seven or eight hours into my game, because I was doing all this side stuff. But if you just power through the story uh, content, it probably happened like, 40 minutes. Um, you get to this like beach town where you're supposed to leave on the ferry to go to the city where you're going to marry. Which is this what we've girl. seen a bunch of times, right. right? It's a female mechanic with the huge cleavage and. Oh no, that was that's earlier. Oh, um, she, that's Sid's granddaughter. Uh, so that's the first place you run into, which is re- just absurd. That whole thing is absurd. And I'll get to like why the world is confusing and sad to me in a second. <laughs> but after you fix the car and do all, you drive down to this like beach town and like you're supposed to leave, but you don't because they all go to sleep. And then you see, then the events of Kingsglaive occur where they have, there's like, you know, and I only know this because I looked it up. The, the, this part of the story in the actual video game is told through a soundless, voiceless montage with, it's like a trailer, basically, for Kingsglaive. And you see, like, a bunch of guys in a meeting that you've never seen before, except the king. And then somewhat, something happens and everybody betrays each other. And the guy fights the king that you've never seen, and another guy betrays them that you've never seen, and the king gets killed, and you don't even see that, and you're like, what happened? Who was it? What, what was that? And then it jumps this back. This is not a spoiler, by the way. This no. information has been out there. This is, this is way early. Yeah. And, like, if you haven't seen Kingslave, you have no idea what any of this is. It's Because like, there's no dialogue, there's no introduction to who anyone is. It's just, Does a disc with Kingslave come with the game? No. So you're not, unless you buy the, not unless you buy the deluxe version or higher. So if you just buy the standard edition, you don't get any of that. Jeez. And so then it cuts back to the, the they're waking up in their beach, you know, villa, and uh, and uh, Ignis comes in and he's he's got the newspaper as the headline: the king's been assassinated. There's and a newspaper. There's a newspaper of, in this <laughs> <What>? world. <laughs> That's the other thing. It's like like you're you're walking through. In you, this world, there's still. Oh, let me get to the dead world. tree media. Oh, let me get to the world, my friend. <laughs> um, like. So you've seen, like, even on the Conan, like, Clueless Gamer, like, it starts with, you know, the first actual bit of gameplay is them pushing the car in the desert. Not exactly an exciting way to kick off a video game. It's supposed to, like, expose them, like, as a character's bonding bro style, but in general, you're just, like, it doesn't even tell you how to move the car. Like, you have to figure out, like, you have to hold, like, R2 and push forward. And also, like, that actually, that may have actually shown me I didn't see it, because here's another thing about this game. The HUD is, is partly off the screen on this game. Like, what? Like this? Like it's it's like half an inch off the screen. Like it cuts off like part of the mini map and. Why is this the... footage that we have okay then? Oh, it was fine on the uh, on certain things. I guess I don't know. Are it's you sure what... you just don't have the screen size right? Absolutely, one hundred percent positive. I checked with other people I know who have the game. It's the same thing. Wow. It's the same thing on all my How friends playing it. How do you screw it. that up? And here's the thing: it changes. Oh. Like, I booted it up the second day. And, like, the mini-map before had been kind of off the screen. Like, a sliver of it was cut off on the side. And now the whole thing was on the screen. It was just, it was, you couldn't see the, the side icons would go off the screen. You think they and then, stealth-patched it, maybe? No, because, like, 20 minutes later, it was off the screen again. Wow. It moves. What the? And I can't figure it out. Like, there's, you can turn the HUD off and on, and I screwed with every single scaling option I have on my TV. 
nothing changes it. It's off, and like you even see it uh, when you look, because every time you camp at night, you look at all the pictures that Prompto took, because he's the photographer, and you can pick to save or not save them. And if you see the picture in the little like strip, and then you blow it up to full screen, you see it's cut off. And the photo the is edges. cut off. Like, wow. it's, it's a full, the, the, like this, the game is not taking like overscan into account or something. Oh my god! Like I don't know what's happening there, and maybe that'll get patched for like actual release. Remember, we're playing this before it's right. officially out. Although it, it did have a seven gig update. Already when I loaded it up, yeah. Um, so it's something is in there. It does also do. I'm playing on the pro, so it does have a high and a low setting. Make a uh, big difference? No, I mean it, it's slightly better textures and slightly high. I mean, you know, I'm playing on 1080p, so it's basically downsampling at that point. Right. Uh, but the difference is, like on on you know on, on light, it's uh, 60 frames a second, and on high, it's 30. Right. And it's kind of choppy on either one of them, so I just kept it to 60 because I don't think it looks good enough on high to justify the right. frame rate drop. Yeah. Um, it just it looks pretty much the same with slightly further out LOD to me. Um, also, like. Game's kind of ugly in a lot of ways. Like, there's a lot of weird, and like my girlfriend keeps coming it's in. It's an like, eleven-year-old game. She keeps coming in and being like, "Why does their hair look so terrible?" And I'm yeah. like, "Well, everybody, it's JRPG. Everyone's." And she's like, "No, how come everything looks like it's dithered on a Genesis game in front of their faces?" Like, and like the talking the, about like the self-shadowing on the yeah, characters. Like the, the yeah, the hair shaders they're using are awful, and like and like the high and low don't change that. Like it's just, it looks like it's like on Street Fighter Five on PS4 where like. You have these awful self shadows, and like they're not there on the PC version because right. the PC version is a higher setting. But there's no PC version of this, so you can't right. do anything about it. Or like things like the windshield on the car, uh, it doesn't look like looking through any kind of glass I've ever seen. It looks like some, it looks like you're looking through some kind of weird spiky filter. frosted filter, and like it's just stuff like that constantly. You know, and like the landscape is big, but it doesn't particularly look very good. Um, there's a lot of stuff happening like that, and it, and it's not terrible, but like. It's certainly not on the level of like you know what Final Fantasy thirteen was for its time. I well, once say. upon a time, Square Enix was oh, or kings. just Square were yeah. the kings oh, yeah. of getting the most out of PlayStation hardware. Like yeah. the PlayStation two era, some of those games were the best on the platform. Mm. This uh, feel this feels very much like they're taking they took a PlayStation three game and you know put it on the PS four, which is so, what it is. Which is what it is. Similar to how I mean, I think that's what Last Guardian looks like too. I mean, yeah. it's that that kind of thing is just happening here. Yeah. Um, and there's not much they could probably do about it, but it's this weird mix of like certain things look amazing. The car when it gets wet, when the rain, when rain falls on the car, it's like wow, that could be a photo. So and you can look, see things that they took the time to update. Yeah. And other things where they're just like. Screw it. Well, I don't know if they said screw it to the character's hair, because, I mean, that's one of the things you'd really want to have look good. And Square typically but there's only, dedicates a lot of resources but it's like, to the characters. It just feels like there's only so much they could do with it, and their hair is what they look like. And the, you run into a guy early on who's, like, hair is sort of hanging down in front of his face, like, you know, kind of, you know, standard anime hair, sort of hang. Everybody's yeah. got the long, spiky hair. Uh... I give them credit for the fact that the characters, especially Noctis, are constantly futzing with the hair. Like, they're constantly... And, there's, and like at one point, they're all climbing... And it's believable looking. Oh, yeah. And, well, no. But, like, at least they pay attention. They acknowledge the fact that your hair wouldn't stay that perfect through a whole adventure kind of well, thing. Well, also, most video game characters never right. touch their hair. Because... Well, at one point, they're climbing up to a lighthouse, and all they're to... talking about is how the wind is screwing their hair up. Oh, like, really? So they really are a boy, boy band. Oh, my God, man. <laughs> and also, like, there's a lot of, like... I think there's a lot of, like gay subtext happening in places. Maybe surprise, they didn't mean surprise. it. Surprise, surprise. But, I mean, these four dudes are just traveling the country, like, sleeping in the same tent together, and they're all taking pictures together. Right. I mean, I don't care. I mean, I think it would have been more interesting if they were they all... They just went for it. Yeah, you know, just go for it. Yeah. And, like, you know, because I think... Uh, look, Promptus and Ignis are totally a couple. 
Even yeah. though Prompto keeps talking about how he's going to go back and get with the chick at the gas station. Right. Um, but we all well, know. Well, the characters are very effeminate. I mean, they kind of always have been in Final Fantasy. And there's, Fantasy. like, little, you know, when at one, you know, sometimes, like, you know, Noxus is also, you know, bonds with Gladio a lot. And then, it, like, when you're fishing, because he loves fishing, sometimes Gladio will be like, you're a lot handier with a rod than you are with a sword. And I'm like, guys, <laughs> come on. Like, are you doing this on purpose? Like, but, like, I'll tell you, so, so like... It's that kind of thing where, like, going back to the the Kingslave thing, it doesn't work there. Like, it's it's like you're like, wait, what did I see? And then like, everybody's upset, and they're all upset because like they think that the, the Noctis's father got killed, but they like don't believe it, so they decide to go back to make sure to see it for themselves. And I'm like, so if you're not showing me the whole story of this, because um, I mean, really, they're not showing it to you because they want you to buy Kingslave. Right. But, like, if you're not showing it to me in the sense that, like, oh, you want us to be in the same boat as the characters and not be sure, so you want to go, well, why you show me that montage at all? Like, just cut to them waking up and seeing the headline and being like, is this real? Like, we not go back and find... Because that's actually more interesting, narratively, to be in the dark that way and have to go find out. And I mean, otherwise, if you think it's an important thing that we find out that you see this, why don't you just show me the whole scene? Like, and even if it is a long scene... I have to watch these fuckers drive a car for nine minutes at a time, so it's not like you are valuing my time too much pacing-wise. So wait a minute. You just talked about the story for five or ten minutes. I don't know what the game is about still. Right. So the, your father the king is killed. Yes. Is it your job to seek vengeance against those who did it? Sort or is it of. your job to ascend to the throne? Yes, kind of. I mean, so, so now you're the king, and because it's a video game... Uh, you have to go to all of the 12 tombs of the ancient kings and collect their magic weapons, which then I, you know, because you see... It's a test of... The Kingslave thing is like where you see, you know, you've seen it in the trailers and stuff where he like summon, you know, I think that was even in the very early Versus 13 stuff where like he could summon all the weapons yeah, yeah. and throw them at me you know, and do all that. Yeah. So that's what that is. Like the, you have to gather all the ancient weapons of the of the former kings, and like eventually you get twelve of them. Is that the overarching goal throughout the whole game, or is that something that you do like right at the beginning to become king? And then I'm picking them up pretty fast, so I'm thinking that once you get all twelve, that's when it goes linear. Right. That's what it that, like, like then it becomes kind of like okay, we've done what we need to do according to the prophecy of the king of the whatever. So now it's like go in, and I think that's what happens. I don't, you know, obviously I don't know for sure, but. In terms of narrative structure, if this thing has any at some point, that would be what that is. But it's a very long... But it's like there's no... And I know that's kind of a, a hazard of the open world game and then the sort of the, the sprawling RPG. But it's like there's no consistency to how these characters behave. I don't know who Noctis is. I don't know what... The only th- time he's shown any enthusiasm in this game for anything is fishing... The fishing side quest, he is suddenly comes all alive. <laughs> and he likes dogs and cats. He loves animals. <laughs> Every time you see a dog, like it's the, he's like, hey, doggy. What? I'm just like, where did this guy come from? Like, <laughs> but the rest of the time, he's just like... So, like, there's another scene where you're like, you meet up with the sister of one of the other guys. And, like, the other guys go out shopping uh, because that's of what... Of course you, they of course do. They go yeah. out shopping, everybody. Come on. And she uh, goes out on a walk with you through the city you're in. Uh-huh. And she clearly is interested. I mean, you're supposed to go marry this oracle Other girl. chick. So she's um, the girl that complicates everything. Sort of, but like you, but like you have dialogue choices, and I picked all the dialogue choices that were the nicer versions because you can also just be a complete ass to her, right. like every other Final Fantasy protagonist uh, in the PlayStation era. Um, or you can be like a human being to her. But even there's still conversations they have during the walk that you can't control. And she'll say stuff like, it's like, oh, the, the breeze feels so good off the ocean here in this town. And he, I'm, I'm not kidding. This is his response to that. Ugh. 
Really? It's just like, <laughs> and she doesn't react to it at all. Uh, but it's just like his whole rea- response to everything is like, eh. Really? It's like, it's like it's like the most like disaffected like '90s hot topic kid you could imagine. <laughs> and of course, they're still you know he's. I mean, I switched them out for the casual outfits because what they the black outfits they that's wear are ridiculous. ridiculous yeah. Which, which it turns out that's a uniform. Oh, those are their King's Guard uniforms. Oh, wow. everyone wears like linen apparently to guard the king. I don't know what the or like leather. Like, you know, and, the, and actually, the, the textures on that are is actually really good on all the clothing. But um, the clothing is very meticulous design. Design, but here's kind of one of the things: is like, there's a lot of weird dissonance in the world. I don't understand the world this takes place. Yeah, that's in what I was going to ask all. you. Like, when is this set? Because sometimes it looks like modern day because they have modern mm-hmm. cars, flying. Yeah, cars. they have Audis and flying cars. But then um, other times it looks like it's set in like the 1930s right. or something. Well, that's so. Like the first area you're in is like a, a kind of a like a southern des- desert area, like a like almost like scrub desert. California, but it, everybody's got a southern accent for some reason, and like like they say y'all. And oh stuff yeah, like that. oh constantly. Yeah, <laughs> y'all. What's up, y'all? I, 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 you know, they got a draw. Yeah, absolutely. Like really exaggerated. Like you are clearly in Alabama by way of the Mojave or right. something here. <laughs> and like, but like, and I noticed it the first time I went to like one of the the settlement areas, and I'm looking around like there's people like so there's like a woman in like an I Love Lucy style dress like kind of that classic fifties with the collar right. and everything, yeah. and she's leading around this kid who's dressed like a like a Cub Scout, and then she's with her husband who's got like a polo shirt and cargo shorts on, what? and I'm like, and I'm wearing like this you know the fucking that boy crazy band outfit, outfit, and I'm yeah. like. What is this? Where like, am why I? Why am I the only one dressed like a clown? Like, what is going on? But then, like, you get to a later city, and, like, you get to this later city, and, like, all the women, every all the guys are dressed, like, normally. All the women, they're in, like, halter tops and jean bikini bottoms, and then over that, they're wearing, like, overalls that are also chaps. What? So, like, the whole middle of their torso is just, like, exposed skin and, and like, you know, cleavage and, and butt cleavage. And then they're wearing, like, protective, like, hip waders over that. <laughs> but, like, they're all open so you can see all, like, the, the, the hot parts. Right? right, yeah. And, like, I've spent, I spent, like, ten minutes staring at their, like, chap parts to try to figure out what they're made of. Because I have no, they're like, they almost look like beaten copper. <laughs> like a, and eventually you find out that like in this city, the it's like a mining city that produces all the electricity for the area, but only women are allowed to work in the factories. So they're all dressed like that because so they... It's like the 50s during the war, right? I guess, but there's like, the men are all still there, and there's tourists everywhere. So they're dressed in that because <laughs> they work in the mines, but I guess they only need to pre- protect their legs? What? Like it's... It's so weird. It's so, like, so like for a long time, it was like, why is everyone dressed like a normal American human being except me? And then you get to this city, and you're like, oh. Oh, I get it. <laughs> Welcome back, Namora. <laughs> so let me <laughs> ask you this. this. But it just goes on and on about, like, so, like, everything feels kind of like this weird, you know, and, like, there's a chain of diners, and, like, everybody's eating. Like, there's a v- huge emphasis on food, super high-res images of all the food you eat. And, yeah, like, which is really weird, And, too. like, right after, and it's like, you know, the one of your guys, uh, Ignis, who's basically Egon from Ghostbusters with an accent, English accent, he's the cook, so he's constantly coming up with new recipes, and right after... How does that tie into the game? Does it work into the spells or anything? No, if you camp somewhere, you eat, he'll prepare a meal, and that gives you, each meal gives you a different stat boost for a certain amount of time. Oh, okay, got you. Um, and... 
so like you'll pick up things or find things, and he'll come up with recipes like in the middle, you know, in the middle of the game. It'll have it. So this happened right after my father died, right? Like, so hey, here's a peanut so butter So dad dies, and like <laughs> when we get to the gas station and the cutscene finishes, you pick up this. I picked up some item, and Noctis goes, and, and uh, Ignis goes, goes. That's it. What's it? I've come up with a new recipe, and it's called like mystery meat sushi or something. Was what I got. And Noctis, whose dad had, you know, just died, just died, goes. All right, can't wait to try it. And I'm just like, what? You could at least not make him be the because right. you know, some other character could have a react. And like, yeah. it's just shit. Like Prompto, who's the 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 Joker, who um, the one nice scene in the whole game so far has been like a nighttime conversation one. between Noctis and Prompto, where Prompto admits he feels that he's not really part of the group. Because he's not like one of the cool kids, right? But like you can basically say like, "What are you talking about?" Which like, is still some teen, teen angst. Oh, it's so like teen angst, but it's the, but the guy who's voicing Prompto, who's I don't remember, I've never heard of most of the voice actors in this game, but the guy voicing Prompto does a really good job with some impossible dialogue. Oh, yeah. uh, so I kind of like that scene. But mostly he's the comic relief, and he does stuff like he sings the Final Fantasy victory theme sometimes when you finish the. And I'm like, dude, like, don't, when you finish a battle, when you finish a battle, and and it's like. And then, like, one of the other guys would be like, well, you seem like you're having a good time. And I'm just like, well, that's one of us, bro. It's like, don't <laughs> remind me of better games while I'm playing this stuff. Oh, my gosh. And, like, he'll sing, like, the Chocobo theme with lyrics because he loves Chocobos. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and, like, so I'm like, so does Final Fantasy exist in this world? Because you know all the music. And then at one point he sings We're in the Money, so I guess that song exists in this world. And, like... I can't figure it out. Like, it, like it's such a weird mishmash of things, and I don't. It sounds like what happens when you have one game, this... and then you pivot, and you have another game. This game feels like it had like three creative directors, and none of them spoke to each other for the last two years of the game. Interesting. And, like, and I'm still playing it. Like I could forgive it a lot of this mechanical, these mechanical problems, and like all the side quests are basically fetch quests. I mean, it's, it's the most brain dead by rote. MMO quest design you could imagine and it never changes. Well, you um, don't say never. You haven't finished it yet. Well, after 20 hours of this part of the game, it's the same. It's been the same. same. I mean, I'm sure the side quest will go away once you hit the linear part, but like, it's not like I'm looking forward to really delving into the story on this one because yeah. I don't care about any of these guys. So um, what, what happens to change the story arc at all? Is the, Are there any twists that you've experienced so far? No. I mean, like, there's the, the, the big twist is all of a sudden, you know, there's the invasion, and all of a sudden there's, like, soldiers everywhere. But, like, nothing really changes, because now it's like, well, we got to go find all these weapons. We don't really know where they are, so I guess we'll just keep the road trip rolling, because they can't go to the city where they're supposed to marry the, the, the girl. Um, you hear on the radio a lot about this, like, you know, updates on the radio about how, like, they don't know where she is, and there's, like, some propaganda thing about it. So you just sort of continue on the road, and, you know, there's no indication, you know, they say, it's like every JRPG, it's like, they say that we have to do this, like, really super in a hurry, but by all means go race chick- giant chickens for a while. Right. Um, you know, and, of course, the thing is, like, the thing that I think will sink this for most people is the transit time, because you can, like... Fast travel for ten bucks, ten gil. You have to pay. You have to pay a time. I mean, ten gil is nothing yeah. in the game, but it's still like it's annoying that you get. And but if you want to go somewhere new, if you want to go somewhere that is not a parking spot or like an outpost you've been to, um, you have to drive there. And you can auto drive, where Ignis drives it for you, or you can drive yourself. But I think people were looking at this and thinking it was going to drive like an open world game, and it does not. So you're just basically driving on a linear path right. from one place you ho- to the You next. hold R2, and it drives... Th- you mean, don't steer. No. <laughs> I mean, you can you can steer out of the lane, but as soon as you let go of the stick, it'll autocorrect back into the, the lane. Right. And then you, like, 
when you want to turn, you have to hold the turn when you come to the turn, and he will automatically make the turn. Right. Like you, it's, it's like it's like those old laserdisc games. Almost. Yeah. And then, like, I mean, it's it, to the point that like, you have so little control that there's actually a button to make a huge turn. <laughs> because you couldn't do it the way the wow. controls were. Um, so, like, basically, I always let Ignis drive because I'm like, otherwise, I'm just stuck there holding a button down. And, like, then you let him drive. I'm like, I've been on drives that took 13 minutes. It's just, it's just looking at these guys oh sitting in the, in the back of the car the whole time. And, like, they're not talking. So you can play music. You can play, gather, like, all the Final Fantasy music and play that in the car. But you're just looking at these guys drive. Like, I, I turn and play Pokemon. <laughs> I have another game to play or another video to watch <laughs> while they're going where they need to go. That's hilarious. And then on top of that, so there's a day-night cycle. And at night, these, like, more dangerous monsters called demon, demons come out. And when night falls, Ignis won't drive anymore. They're all terrified of the night. Like they're, they're like, and if you're driving somewhere and night falls, they'll pull over and he'll be like, we shouldn't do this anymore. It's too dangerous. Let's go to a motel. And, um, and you can say no, but you have to take over the driving. What? And you can run into these giant monsters you, can't, you are not high enough level to fight. So that's why he's telling you road. you should pull right. over. On the road. But here's the thing. If you see that start, because they'll like rise up out of the ground. Kind of, if you see that start to happen, hit U-turn, drive for like 30 seconds, hit U-turn again, go back, they're, they're gone. gone. And I'm like, <laughs> why are you wasting my fucking time? Wow. Like, like, and I see no reason why this mechanic exists in the game in terms of how night works. Because all it does is spawn like horrible extra monsters for you. To run away from because right. you know, like the guys spawning in the first area at night are level thirty, and like I'm not level thirty yet, even you know twenty hours in. Right. So like you gotta get away from them, and you know usually they spawn right where the thing you need to get for the fetch quest is. So yeah, it, everyone's very familiar with this kind of design for every MMO since you know EverQuest. That's yeah. just how it goes. But like it's 2016 and stop it. Yeah. And I don't see why this is supposed to be. Under- so basically, they're trying to force you to camp or to you know do the overnights. Like, the camping stuff is like. There's What's a, the point of it? Other than eating food to get a stat boost. Uh, that's where you get your because you build up experience points by killing things and completing quests. You do not get them applied to the characters until you until sleep you camp. somewhere. Oh, interesting. Until you camp or go or go to a motel or whatever. If you sleep in a bed, you get a bonus to the experience point. So if you sleep in a in like the the motel. The experience gets multiplied 1.5 times. If you sleep, what? if you sleep in the super expensive hotel, you, it gets multiplied tw- by twice, what? two times. So that you can level no up sense. faster if you pay to sleep somewhere nice. But then, if you do that, Ignis doesn't cook any food, so you don't get the stat boost. What? Um, so you, what happens if you camp out though and don't go to a hotel? You just it just becomes morning. You eat something and you get the experience, but you don't get any bonus. To the experience. Gotcha. You just get what you earned. Um, so like, bleh. This, and, it doesn't make any sense. Well, and that's the thing is like, and like there's so much emphasis, so much emphasis on the camping thing, and like you know, every time you go to a new camping spot, you see them setting up the tent. Like the very first camping thing, there's this long scene where they set up the tent and like crack some jokes, crack some joke, hang out. Like they point out all the all the fancy deck chairs they're gonna drive. And there's, I'm not kidding. There's camping equipment product placement in this game. Of course. Every, There's product placement every, all through it. Everything they the have. The car is, is product placement. Oh, the car is. So, but, like, everyone's sitting around with, like, Coleman lanterns and tents and, like, you know, Comfort Master, like, folding chairs. And, like, at one point there's a couple of... Do they new... call out the brand names? No, but they're right. They hold, like, the lantern with the Coleman logo right. Oh, really? At the, you know, and stuff like that. Or, or they'll be conveniently in the foreground with the thing like that. There's a whole scene they got to they... get back to the 11 oh, yeah. years of development There's somehow. a whole scene in one of the first major <laughs> towns where there's a cup of noodles truck there wow. and they all are like oh wow cup of noodles we gotta buy some cup of noodles for like for the road and i'm like cup of noodles exists in this world like what the fuck is this wow and like 
And so, but like, and here's the thing, like, none of it fits what's happening, even narratively. So like the very first camping thing you do is because you're stranded. The car is, the car needs to be fixed. You have no money, um, even though you're a prince. Uh, so they have no money. Apparently credit cards don't exist here, even though smartphones do. And like when you're, at a certain point, you're like, wait a minute, you have a smartphone? Why don't you call your dad the king yeah. and have him tell <laughs> his subjects fix the damn car yeah but we work that out and then like the 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 hot mechanic chick gives you like a thousand gill so you can stay somewhere i'm like you taking handouts from the people yeah you're the king you're the prince so then you go so then you go um camp and like one of the things that happens at the first camp is uh prompto comes in with this giant shopping bag full of groceries and i'm like where did we get the groceries Where's from? the grocery store? Like, I thought we had no money. And yeah. we didn't spend any of the thousand gil I got. So where'd you get? Did you steal that? Like, what the, yeah. what's going on? <laughs> and it's just like these weird... Di- so like, you know, it's like... So they're all... All their names are like... So like, your name is Noctis. And there's Prompto, Ignis, and Gladios. Or something like that. Easy to remember. Gladioris or whatever. You know, I don't, can't remember that. What it, and you're like, oh, so people have weird fantasy names? No. One of the first quests you get is to find a guy named Dave. <laughs> like, what is going on? We well, are part of the Royal Guard, right? <laughs> yeah, That's why. Like, so let me ask you this, Matt. Is there anything that you really like about it? Music's great. Yeah? Is that it? <laughs> the music's great. I'll give it that. I mean, look, you've played it 20 hours already. Why, are you, why do you keep going if you're not enjoying it? Because I wanted to make sure I had something to talk about today. Uh, okay. <laughs> wow. Like, I mean, I, I, I saw, look... I didn't pick it for my turkey because I'm not done with it. Yeah. But, and I knew it we were going to talk been. about it. <laughs> I knew we were going to talk about it on this show, so I didn't want to talk about it twice. But it would have been my pick for the turkey wow. if it continues in this manner. Um, Try I, to give us another game to compare it to as far as quality level. Quality level. I mean, I mean, Xenoblade Chronicles X keeps coming up, but I like I mean, a lot of people like love that, that game. game. Um, but it's like it's got a similar sort of like emptiness to it, yeah. In the sense that like the world does has a has a lot of space, but not a lot of in it, right? And it has a lot of that sort of like, wait, what? Is, why are you dressed like like? Yeah, there's no like coherence to the world building. What little there is, and you feel like it makes you wait through things for no good reason. And but although I would say Xenoblade Chronicles X is a little more respectful of your time in a lot of ways, but like. You know, you're you're not stuck watching nearly as many bad anime cutscenes uh, in Final Fantasy 15, but like it's that sort of thing where it's like it's a Japanese developer trying to do a Western style game, and they just don't seem to get why they work. I've the talked way about they work. this before on the show. Like and they need to hire consultants from the West do. to consult on these games because. Because I don't know why you're supposed to think watching these guys drive a car for nine minutes is like, I don't know what that's for. Like, what? Do you think the Final Fantasy fans, and there are a lot of them, are going to be okay with this game, though? I mean, I guess... Because, if, I mean, based upon the last couple games that have come out, I mean, you're actually, you're, sound like you're kind of describing the last few Final sort Fantasy Sort of, but games. people, I mean, the fandom, as, I, they really don't make the fandom, much sense as I understand it, didn't particularly like 13 either. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of 13 in terms of that sort of like, why are you getting so far away from sort of the roots of what made this fantasy? Yeah. And like, the, you know. I mean, does it feel, other than the nods, the humming the tunes mm-hmm. and chocobos. The little, and, like the little fan service bits. Other than that, does it feel like a Final Fantasy game? No. Wow. Not to me. I mean, it feels like an MMO that was once heard of Final Fantasy. 
Right. Um, I mean, there's recognizable characters and summons, and you know, like the the guardians of the world. The guardians of the world are all you know, Ifrit and she. You know, all the all the summons we're familiar with. Yeah. We've seen those things in the trailers and all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, the the elements are there, just like every Final Fantasy mixes up the same elements, and they, they're already talking about crystals because you can't have Final Fantasy game without crystals. Right. But like. If you're a fan of like the classic Final Fantasy stuff, like I am, or if you're a fan, even even if you're a fan of the PlayStation One era stuff, like I don't see what you're gonna get out of this. Like, it's not the same kind of storytelling. It's not the same kind of, you know, plot-driven sort of epic mythic stuff. Well, the old Final Fantasy has also had a coherent world, right? Where everything in it made sense with everything else, and it all fit together into a puzzle. And sure, there were mysteries here and yeah. there that you had to figure and out. And maybe but... that is true of this, but uh, to get that, you have to watch other media. Like, yeah, and like which if is you, insane. If you don't like the whole like you know piecemeal me out the DLC stuff that games do these days, I mean, I can't see you feeling any better about you know buy Kingsglaive sucker. I mean, I'm sure it's it's on YouTube or something, but like. They clearly want you to buy these, you know, these other products to understand what's happening in this yeah. game, and I don't but, think look, that's when you right. evaluate a game, you're evaluating what's right in the game. You're not evaluating like some video you may or may not be able to find somewhere. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like when I watch, I you know, I looked once I was deep enough into this, and I'm just like, okay, so you're just not really going to give me any information about these characters I'm playing as. So I went back and watched the Brotherhood thing because I hadn't watched that. I watched some of it and watch all of it because who cares. But like I watched enough of it to kind of like get a handle on who some of these characters were. Maybe that's why that prompto Noctis scene worked on me because like you find out in the backstory material that he was like a fat kid uh, who uh, wanted to hang out with Noctis and his popular friends so he lost a ton of weight and reintroduced himself to them the first day of high school and that's uh, how they became friends. Gotcha. And that's why he still feels like he's not part of their group really, that they just sort of pity him because they, he knew him before and weren't, they weren't friends they with him. They didn't care about him. But like the scene is basically Noctis saying like, you should have said something earlier. Like, I don't, we don't care yeah. like, about that kind of, you know. And, but like the, in the anime thing, it's, it's like this weird thing where it sort of feels like, hey, if you just get skinny, everybody will like you. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's like uh, right. teaching those lessons. Yeah, that's a life those lesson those for life you. Life you know, lessons for you. Conform, everyone. Have fun. Yeah. Um, so like, I guess like they might be, you know, like you might, but that's the thing. It's like, if I knew that about that character going in, maybe I would understand why he's the clown a little right, more. Right, right. Len, and maybe there's people that think that the game is sort of making you infer that by having them act the way they do, but I am kind of a big story guy, and I don't think that's there. Mm-hmm. I think I think there's going to be p- fans who like will you know visit, love everything with a Final Fantasy name on it that are going to convince themselves they like this, or that are just maybe this is what they want. If this is kind of you know if this Xenoblade style thing is the way JRPGs work now, because I love Xenoblade One and I like Xenoblade Chronicles X to a point. Yeah, uh, I wish. We had. I wish it had come out earlier last year, so I wouldn't have given it as much praise as I did on our game of the year thing last year. Because yeah. after about forty, fifty hours, I mean, yeah, you could say like after forty, fifty hours, you got your money's worth on yeah. anything. Yeah. But like, I didn't finish that game because at a certain point, it was just like this is just the same content Why? over and over yeah. again. And Final Fantasy fifteen is already at that point for me. Um, I will Maybe probably... the, the big shift happens though. I mean. We'll talk about it again next week. Right. Once you've got past that point, and if maybe I've gotten there by then. I mean, this this game is long. Yeah. I mean, you get your, I mean, there's a lot to do. I don't. You know, I think at this point I've got like 15 side quests in my log. I mean, it's not for lack of content. It's just that the content is this. You know, and of course it does that same that thing that you know a lot of Final Fantasies have done. Where like, so the first quest is the well, the first side quest is to find Dave. And Dave turns out to be this military guy. So, like, there's been a war. You know, Kingsley tells the story somewhat of your father and the war that was fought. 
So one of his things is like, you know, now all the soldiers have become hunters. So you're posing as a hunter so people don't know you're a prince. Um, and so the hunters go out and kill things, but they get killed a lot too. So Dave wants you to go find uh, dog tags for killed hunters. And constantly, every time you find a new dog tag, he pops up a new place further down the road where you meet him again. He goes, so like, and there's multiple characters that do this. They're all, like, there's one woman who's like a researcher, and you have to find different colored frogs for her. Every single town sounds like an MMO, and it's just yeah, very much an MMO style thing. And I don't, I'm just which I, makes sense when you see the direction that 14 right, went, and right. But like, and you I, think back, this game was started back when they were starting to transition right. into that. But look, for me, the gold standard of Final Fantasy is six, uh, which was a story. It was a novel structure. It was, a, and I don't mean like yeah. unusual structure. I mean it was structured like a novel. Right. Uh, it was a long epic tale. I mean, look, there's a reason that at one point you like the world ends. Yeah. I mean, big stuff happens in that game. And, like, I realize that, you know, it's easier to tell that kind of story in sprites because you sure. don't have to throw the budget into the CG and stuff. But, like, a lot of this game feels like you missed the interesting part. You know, yeah. it, even when you get to this, there's, like, a crater, you know, because there's always a meteor in, in Final Fantasy. So there's, like, a giant meteor crater in the middle of the world. And, like, I don't know if Square knows that meteor craters don't look like that. <laughs> but, like, okay, whatever. And everybody's talking, oh, the crater, the crater, the crater, the crater, the meteor crater, meteor crater. And it's like... What? Like, I feel like I missed the good part yeah. to some degree. Like, where, like the world, well, the world's just sort of there. To go, so, and like, but like, there's nothing. There's nothing pushing. And like, you know, one of my friends, one of our mutual friends, who's also playing the game, is a huge Final Fantasy fan. Like, thinks like, you know, this pro- might be his favorite series of all time. And he's been struggling with the recent version. I mean, he played he played fourteen, the rebirth, reborn fourteen for like three hundred hours. He's wow. playing this now too. Uh, and he hates it. Well, he sent you a video he watched right before he went oh, right. on yeah. on air, showing, showing basically a weird glitch in right. the game. Where you get, he got in the car and had Ignis drive, and they take off, and Ignis promptly crashes into a truck. Right. Which, by the way, that's a thing because to repair the car costs a lot of money. So the like, real car costs four hundred and eighty thousand dollars. If there's oh, right. the that's ultimate it, yeah. collector's edition, you can get the freaking car for half a million dollars. So like. Basically, I'm saying, like, I mean... Do you want to keep playing it? No. <laughs> Are you gonna? Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, I feel like I need to see what the linear part is like. Right. But if that linear part doesn't get better at its storytelling, like, I ain't going through that. I'm thinking there's going to be some huge revelation or something that sort of denotes that break away from the open world and sends right. you down this path. Well, so, so far, maybe they, the game has been actually very communicative about... Um, when you hit points of no return, like they'll, you know, like when you leave the first area, like, I wish Pokemon Sun and Moon did yeah. that. Like they'll leave the first area, they'll be like, you can't come back here for a while if you do this. Like, are you sure you want to do this? Yeah, and it's like, yeah, sure. You know, so so like it's it's been good in that regard. Um, it's just it's so many disparate elements that don't seem to come together properly. That's what and, it sounds like. And uh, and there's little you know there's little things like. There's little bits. I guess there are little bits. I like, you know, the chocobos are adorable. Yeah. There's little, like it's little things that remind me of the other Final Fantasy style. games yeah. that I enjoyed. Right. Right. Um, I enjoy listen. I enjoy it when uh, one of the songs from the old Final Fantasies, I, like I like, comes on the radio, you know, yeah. on the car because like that at least gives me something to go. Look it takes up, you back. Look up from yeah. my other game and be like, oh yeah, I remember <laughs> that. That was good. Yeah. I had a good time. With that. The music's great. I, I will say. I mean, you know, the music in this game is amazing. Fantastic work. Uh, about all I'll give it in that regard. Like, well, I'll, I'll start playing it this week. I'm, we're going to talk in a minute, but I'm almost finished with Pokemon mm-hmm. Moon. 
Um, so I'll jump on it and I'll start playing. And I, so and I'll I, have a different perspective on the early stuff, and then next next week's show you'll be able to give us your rundown on right. the later game. And I and I should you know I didn't think this game was going to be particularly good. Well, how come? Just because it's been in development so long and the demo yeah, was it's terrible, a red flag, yeah. and you know, there's just not, I didn't see any spark to it in terms of like I didn't I just didn't see where this was supposed to hook me, and I mean that in the sense of like me personally, not me as in like a human being in right, general, right. you know. And but I was ready, for, you know, because I love open world games. I play I play terrible open world games. I played Mad Max to 100 percent completion, and that is the repet. That's I way the more Technomancer. That's way more. Yeah, <laughs> I finished. That's, it. <laughs> and Mad Max is way more repetitive than this game. Yeah, but at least like I can drive where I want to drive in it. Yeah, you know, I, at least, you know, stuff happens, and I, I am I am fooled into thinking that I'm having fun at times. And this game gives me way too many opportunities to sit back and be like. What am I doing? Like, why, why am I, I doing why am I, this? Why am I doing this? <laughs> and like, you, the answer for the last few days has been so I can talk about it on the show on Friday. Yeah, yeah. But when I go home tonight, I'm not sure what that answer is going to be anymore. We have to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, we again have next to talk week. about it next week. <laughs> At a certain point, we're going to run out of game faces, and I'm going to go back and have this game I don't want anymore. <laughs> All right, let's move along to the next topic. I think that was that'll give so you. So I a guess pretty... I guess my my advice right now is buyer beware. Yeah, because especially as someone, look, a lot of people have to make that decision here. Someone who's a, is a casual fan from the of the old school Final Fantasies who thinks that the series has been essentially garbage for the last like twenty years minus twelve and nine. Yeah, uh, I don't like it. And then my friend who has, you know, we have been the argument all the time about like, he's like, oh, you know, I'll be like, oh, this that one sucked, and he's like, he's like, no, it was like, like this, and this was good about it. it was, he will always find a, a, a the, way the ray of it. light. Right. In, in these games, and he can't so far on right. this one. Is and he so, farther than you right now, or uh, story-wise, he is further. I don't know okay. if he's played more hours because I, I am, I am a side quest person. Right. Um, but I, he's definitely further. He's always been ab- about like two, two main story quests ahead of me as we've been playing this kind of parallel and texting back and forth about it. Gotcha. Um, so that would be my warning, basically, is like you've got like a like a casual kind of I'm willing to be impressed, but like also not really expecting much person, and you've got someone who was like, oh my god, Final Fantasy, gotta play a new Final Fantasy, and we both kind of came away from it. With, we're both about 20 hours in, kind of having that, like, what? Like, reaction to it. So, okay. if you've pre-ordered, you, you might want to pull back on that, and wait and see Probably what... Probably too late. See what you, yeah, well, no, you can still cancel pre-orders. Yeah. I mean, you got a few days, especially if it's online. There I are mean, some if, people who went all in on this and I got... I mean, if you pre-ordered it on PSN, and... you're, you're dead, you know, but... You know, if you, get, you can only pre-order the digital stuff if you're sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I pre-order digital stuff that I'm sure about. Which is hard to. But say I in bought. This day I age. bought a physical copy of this one. Believe you me. Yeah. So, All right. Yeah. We'll be back next week to talk about it more. I'll have played it by then. Matt will be really far into the game. I will try. Unless you just completely give up. No. Well, I will say this. World of Final Fantasy makes a lot more sense to me now, because. World of Final Fantasy, for all its shortcomings, is a much more traditional Final Fantasy experience. Even though it's like kind of like, like you know, kind of a Kingdom Heartsy comic style, but it's like the most guilty of pandering to fans. Oh yeah, though, right. But I understand why they felt the need they might to have that in the chamber, putting this out alongside it because right. this ain't gonna scratch your Final Fantasy itch too well in terms of like nostalgia and kind of the way you know. And we've waited and look, so man, long. Look, I don't even like Final Fantasy VII, but like. When I hear the music from it in this game, and like stuck you realize you're it, saying that a lot of our viewers will say, "Oh, then I don't care about Matt's opinion on Final Fantasy 15." They can, but um, they're wrong because Final Fantasy 7 is an average game at best. It's just 
held in high regard because it was the first JRPG a lot of people played, and most of them played it when they were 12. Yeah. And the games I played when I was 12, I loved this, what they say, the golden age of science fiction is when you were 12. Yeah. You know, whatever you played at that age, you're going to love. You think it's awesome, yeah. And I played Final Fantasy VI, so, you know, I was not, I was older than 12, but, like, it was at the right time, too. But Final Fantasy VI has held up. Oh, yeah. Through the, yeah. the sands of time, without um, a doubt. But, like, I'm, you know, I'm just saying, like, when I hear, like, uh, I've always liked the music in these games, and I actually, you know, as much as I think Final Fantasy some of the best in the industry is tremendously overrated, I do think, and, I, and the music in that game is actually terrible, screechy MIDI on the original PlayStation 1 version, Compositionally, I think it's one of their best soundtracks by yeah. far. And when I hear it in this game, I want to go back and play that game again just to play something that's traditionally turn-based. Wow! Like, and I know it's not fully just AT, you know the ATB systems, but like playing this game makes me crave a Final Fantasy that makes you press just press select a thing out of a menu and press X to attack. Pokemon. Yeah, <laughs> or World of Final Fantasy. Yeah, you know, yeah. like that's so like, yeah. so like I've thought of you know, and I haven't gone back to World of Final Fantasy uh, to kind of get that that turn-based hit, uh, mainly because they broke it on the pro. Uh, so they have that the the pro update patch broke the depth of field, so like everything's blurry now. Oh God. The, pro, the PlayStation Pro is having some issues. Yeah, with, with I think patching. it's across the board. You yeah. can't really single out any publisher on this one. It just, it's been a rough launch. But I can, like, the World of Final Fantasy makes more sense to me now in terms of, like, well, if you want, like, that super kind of retro nostalgia hit from a certain point of view, that's, that's your game versus Final Fantasy XV, which is trying to do all these different new things um, by way of MMO design uh, that maybe are not going to enthrall you the same way. All right, we're really moving on this time. Next, we're going to talk about a publisher that I think is doing the right thing and just kind of went out on a limb here and kind of broken from the herd, so to speak, and started looking at DLC differently. So yesterday, Ubisoft's director of digital, basically the person who runs the online side of all their products, came out and said that Ubisoft will have a new policy where all DLC that's a part of the core experience of a game will now be free. And we've kind of seen this happen a little <laughs> bit lately. We saw it. Looking forward to see what the definition of the core experience is. Right. And the one thing that I would say is that, that as a caveat is that they did not mention whether story DLC is considered mm -hmm. essential to that core experience. I mean, what else? I mean, in terms of what Ubisoft has piecemealed out as DLC, I can't think of anything else because probably not swords or outfits. So, so what they're talking about is maps and things like that mm. in their multiplayer games. Okay. So Rainbow Six Siege, for instance, it's become this platform. It's not just a game anymore. It's this thing that's going to live and breathe and evolve. Mm. And you buy in at first, and then all this content keeps coming in. So all the maps for Rainbow Siege going forward are going to be free. Now, the operators won't be free. Like the actual characters right. that you play as because... Because you don't need those you don't to play need the game. Them. Right. So basically what Ubisoft is saying is they're going to charge for all their frivolities. They're going to charge for any cosmetics, things like that. But they're going to stay away from charging you for, for things that they say, again, base to the experience. Mm -hmm. And we saw it with Titanfall 2. Titanfall 2, all the maps are going to be free from the get-go. They also haven't said anything about story DLC. I don't know that they would do story and DLC. And if all this DLC hand-wringing was actually important to players, you'd think they would have supported Titanfall 2 because of that. Yeah. But no. Yeah, and that's the thing. So does it matter? I don't know. 
I mean, it certainly doesn't seem to have mattered so far for Ubisoft games because they sell through the roof most of the time. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, except for Watch Dogs too, and we'll get to that right. in a little bit. It's not doing well. But that also doesn't have maps. No. Um, I mean, this is good news for uh, for uh, Ghost Re- that Re- Ghost Recon game coming up. Wildlands, yeah. Uh, I wonder how it'll affect like you know stuff like Assassin's Creed because it always bothered me that you know Assassin's Creed, which uh, you know pre-order this or, you know, buy the season pass and get, like, extra missions and stuff. And I'm like, you know, I don't care if I don't get the sword or the the, the different hood or whatever, but if you're holding back missions from me, it annoys me. Is, is a side mission, though, part of a core experience? See, that's what... I don't think it is. And see, know? here's the I thing. I think that's like, how they're going to wriggle out of that. Right. The way Ubisoft has worded all this, it's left a lot of wiggle room for it to right. get out, essentially. Yeah. I mean, right now, really, all it's committed to is maps. Right. <laughs> It can always go back later on and be like, well, we didn't promise that. It's like... Which, when you think about it, is more advantageous to them because then they're not splitting their user base. Right. Everybody can play more regularly and you get them to buy the other stuff. That's, that's the point. And look, she didn't word it this way because that's way that's too... not PR. And, right. right yeah. yeah. Her PR line was, we want everyone to be able to experience the things together. If they want to pay for the extra, then that's cool. But you're absolutely right. That's really what they're getting at is that, mm-hmm. you know, we want everyone to be able to experience these maps so that everyone loves the game just as much, gets just as much invested into the game, and therefore is willing to spend mm-hmm. some more money to set themselves apart from everybody else who's ultimately the same at this point. Yeah. Well, also because, like, um, you know, who are they learning that from right now in that space? Overwatch. Yeah. Give it all away for free, and people will throw money at you for those loot boxes. And see, here's the flip side of it, too, is if you look... This is a tactic that Activision uses with Call of Duty to Mm. generate way more revenue. It uses these frivolities, or what Ubisoft would call the base experience, as a way to get marketing dollars out of this generation Sony, last generation Microsoft. Because Mm. what it does is it takes these maps and it's like, well, you can get these maps a month early Mm. on PlayStation 4. You have to wait a month for them on Xbox. Or sometimes they use like maps like uh, Nuketown. Mm-hmm. was a map that they used last year with Call of Duty to try to get people to pre-order. And what happens is, is it does. It splinters up the community of people who can and can't play certain maps. It's like you're on a server and you've played five games in a row with these same group of people. Because what I do a lot of times when I play shooters is like I'll play a match. If I feel like I'm evenly matched with those people, I'll stay. If I feel like there's a bunch of ringers in there, like I'll play one match, get destroyed, and leave and go find another one. But what happens is when you have these maps that are kind of splintering your audience, sometimes you just get booted out because mm. the map will switch over to Nuketown, which you don't have, and you get kicked out and you have to start over, and you, you lose that little micro-community that you found that you enjoyed playing with, like, right away. But you look at the financial end of it, and I don't see Activision ever willing to bend and change in the way that Ubisoft has because it generates a lot of revenue mm. from this and gets a lot of free marketing dollars, which ultimately... It's like, look, if you sign this deal with PlayStation and they say, okay, well, if you give us the maps a month early, we'll give you the equivalent of $100 million worth of marketing. When they market that game on PlayStation, it's not just marketing to PlayStation customers. It's also, it's just like, it's a TV commercial that Xbox One owners see and PC players see. It's, it casts a much wider net. And so I find it hard to believe that Activision would go back on this that kind of a deal and not make it a part of its sort of economic ecosystem anymore and i'm I'm shocked that ubisoft has done this and didn't figure out what activision did long ago i mean i guess what 
did they did they did like marketing deals with Assassin's Creed before? Yeah, and it was like exclusive PlayStation missions, usually, yeah, yeah, right? PlayStation usually got some exclusive content. Like I mean, they would say on the box like an, you know, an extra extra hour of content on PlayStation or whatever. Uh, Watch Dogs Two uh, is going to get all the DLC first on PlayStation Four. Right. Um, I mean, they do that, uh, but like you know, obviously that's not part of the new the new order. Right. Yet. Um, and I'm wondering if it will continue doing these types of deals going forward with this sort of new mandate mm-hmm. that they've handed down. I mean, I don't think that mandate holds any water. Well, well that, and also <laughs> I don't, I don't think that mandate um, precludes doing that on a platform specific level. Because, like, I mean, look, if I have it on Xbox, I don't really care that the people on PlayStation are playing something earlier than me. I care if someone on my platform. Not really. I mean, I do. If I chose that platform knowing that was going to happen, whatever, you know, but like, uh, basically, like, if, it would bother me if, if it was like you get to play this early on the same platform. And like, so you had a bunch of people. I mean, that, that would were, bother me too. There but... were haves and have nots on the same platform, I think, is more of an issue than across different platforms. Um, it's, it's a sleazy way to, to kind of like, you know, try to direct people to one thing or the other. Uh, it doesn't really bother me because I would never make a decision based on that. It's always about performance. You know, I. It's also handy that like usually that deal is with PlayStation, with. and usually games run better on PlayStation Four. So I'm gonna get the PlayStation Four version anyway. And last so, gen, most of those deals went with, Xbox with 360, 360, and that was yeah. So like, it kind of works out just because I don't, you know, I don't pay attention to it, but it tends to be on my platform of choice one way or the other, just because it, it tends to go to the winner <laughs> so right. far. Um, but like you know, I guess it sucks if you only have one one system and you don't have a choice. If you but like then again, like I don't know, like so many people intentionally That's chose. That's the way it is for a lot of people though. Most but, people but, but have so many one pe- console. Yeah, but so many people I know chose the Xbox One version of Destiny, even though Destiny got all the content first on PlayStation and the marketing. That I'm sure, apparently people don't care. A lot, a large but did a lot people, of those people have a PlayStation Four and they chose yeah. Xbox One? Oh yeah, I'm surprised to hear that. Because they were so used to playing multiplayer on Xbox Live. That they sort of default for a long. I don't think that's so much anymore. Yeah. But certainly two years ago, it was still in the place where I'm like, "Why did you guys buy this for Xbox?" Well, there was still a, so, back two years ago. There was still a battle. Like yeah, we but, still didn't know which way this was all going to go. But it wasn't go. a battle in terms of performance. The games looked oh, sure. and yeah. ran better on PlayStation Four, and everybody knew this. But they, but everybody I knew bought Destiny on Xbox One anyway because I don't know. It's just it's just where we always play together. And I'm yeah, like, I think at the start of the okay. uh, at the start of the gen, I think a lot of people were worried. They were afraid to jump to PlayStation for fear that no one else they knew would, and they go to PlayStation right. and they have no one to play with. Right. Well, that happened to me for sure. Yeah. I mean, other than like some you know very hardcore people I you know that I've been playing with for a long time who buy every system and you know they you know you know we all agreed ahead of time. I was like, yeah, we're gonna get it on this because it's gonna run in 1080p or whatever it's supposed right. to whatever. Um, yeah, I realize most people don't care about that. That's not a thing that wins system wars. But like, even I mean, I'm talking about industry people here who chose the Xbox One version over the PS4 version specifically because they they have always always played multiplayer stuff on Xbox 360, and they just sort of carried that over. Yeah. And now that's not so much a thing. Like, uh, a lot of those people have now switched over to a PlayStation ver- PlayStation 4 version of Destiny, and like one you know one of those sales where it was like nine dollars for right. like the base game or whatever. Like a lot, there's been a lot of migration. But early on. They, you know, and Destiny was constantly advertised as like on PlayStation. You know, get the stuff on PlayStation first. Get the downloadable content on PlayStation first. Da da da. da. And like, it didn't sway anybody. You know, that, that I knew. Yeah. It, it, so I don't know how effective that marketing is. Matt, I do, would never do you anticipate any other publishers doing what Ubisoft is doing? 
I mean, maybe if Ubisoft makes a ton of money doing it, like, I don't... Do you I, see any way they'll make more money doing this than they did before? Maybe? I don't, I, I don't know what I the really plan don't. is. And I think this might only apply to stuff, like you say, it has maps. Yeah. It's like, is that, that functions as a service. Like, I don't, I don't know if Watch Dogs 3 is going to apply here, you know? Yeah. Like, they're not really, that, that's not really how that game works. Which is worse, though? They're still going to charge, like, $40, $40 for a season pass on that yeah. one Watch Dogs 2. What the hell? I know. Which is worse, though? Not getting story DLC or not getting maps? Well, for me, not getting story DLC because I don't, don't, care, play multiplayer. I don't care about multiplayer. But forget about not you personally. Just try to look at things from a broader scale if you're the type of person who enjoys both. Mm-hmm. Which do you think is more valuable? Um, well, I guess I would assume maps in the sense that you play them over and over. Right. And that if, you, if everyone doesn't have the same ones, it creates a problem. Do you think, I wish I had numbers on this, but I wonder if you look at DLC sales, if map packs sell better or if story DLC sells better? I think if story DLC sold better, we'd see more story DLC. I think we don't get right. any of that. I think you're right. I'd love to see some story DLC on Battlefield 1, but I don't think that's going to happen. Well, they're saying that we may see story DLC for Uncharted 4 at the Game Awards. Ugh. Those are the rumors swirling around. They yeah, kind of tied that. that one up real nice. I don't know where they go. Well, they make, they make it play Sam. I guess, yeah. Which is like the Poochie of Uncharted. Right. I'm just like, I <laughs> don't care about that character. I, mean, I think yeah. Sam is going to be the star of the series from this point out. So, you know, you're going to put out this DLC to try to sell him as a solo, you know, as a solo adventure Try character. to create that bridge between right. the between like, protagonist. Yeah, yeah and, between and Nate and going forward if they decide to make another Uncharted starring Sam because they would rather work with Troy Baker. Right. And, um... Troy Baker apparently has to be the star of all Naughty Dog games now. He has to be um, the star of every game now. He's he's, he's very uh, prolific. He's yeah. good, and he's I mean, I mean there's a reason wrong. for it. Yeah. Same way, same way. There's a reason that uh, Nolan North was is so prolific because yeah. they're very good at what they do. But I think they also both have very sort of middle of the road voices mm-hmm. that well, will Troy, work with almost any I, character. I think Troy has uh, is a very versatile. You know, I would never have known that was him doing Joel. Yeah, in, in no, the Last right. of Us. I yeah. mean, to, he admitted to me later that he's like, "I'm just doing my dad." Uh, his, his dad's from Texas, and uh-huh. like that's basically. He's like, "I'm just doing an impression of my, of my dad." Well, I think a lot of voice actors. And I'm like, you know, that counts. Yeah, I don't know that. Yeah, for sure. I would never have ID'd. You know, that that game. You know, I would never have identified Joel as Troy, and I would never have identified Dave as Nolan North. Yeah. They did a good job disguising those. No, those they're guys. great voice actors. No but I just, you know, I don't. If Sam, I mean, it's a tangent, but uh, Uncharted Four never brought me around to liking Sam. And uh, I do not care about playing anything as him. Like, I'm, I'm out. I never thought I'd say that about him. You won't play the story DLC of Uncharted? I have a Sam. I don't really care. Wow. Interesting. All right, I mean, I might with... play it to talk about it here. Right. But you wouldn't I wouldn't play it if I was just like a civilian, I guess gotcha. you'd say. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move along. So we talked about Pokemon Sun and Moon last week. I think I was 10 mm-hmm. or so hours into the game. I'm 40-plus hours into the game now. I have not finished the game. I think I am literally, like, at the end. Because I've done everything people have talked about mm-hmm. that you, I was going to have to do. I've done it all. Poke- Pokemon games tend to suddenly be twice the size you think they are. Though. I've collected the two things that I needed that I it, the game has hinted at will bring the conclusion of the game. So I've pretty much played the holy living hell out of Pokemon Moon. 
And uh, I just kind of wanted to come back and talk very briefly about my experiences now that I've gotten to the end of the game. And the first thing I will say is that as far as handheld RPGs go, it's really good. I mean, if you're going to have to make a turn-based RPG for handheld, which is pretty much where we're at with the 3DS, there aren't a lot of action RPGs uh, for the handheld for obvious reasons. Um, it's a really, really good turn-based RPG. Um, my problem with the game is that it should have ended 12 hours ago. It's just like you were talking about, how you get to this point where you've done everything and you've explored every avenue of the combat and every nuance of all the systems and you've... You've brushed every Pokemon. Yes. <laughs> you know, I've tried, I've tried everything at this point, like a ton of times. Like, you know, I was collecting all these berries for the longest time and never did anything with them. And then I finally used them and realized it was, I shouldn't have bothered. You know, I... <laughs> The game, it just, it gets to a point where you're just like, please end. Like, and that is where I've gotten to with this. And look, there's different perspectives on playing, playing handheld games. So there's a perspective of me, which is how I've played this game, which is I've been sitting at home on the couch while watching TV or doing something else and playing the game at the same time. Then there's the person who uses games like this as a travel companion. And if you were to use this game as a travel companion, you wouldn't have to buy another video game for, like, the next five years. Like, hmm. basically, if you just played it in short mm. patches. The problem with that with Pokemon is you forget where you are and what you're doing. It's not that hard in this one, though, because there's, like, a map and a waypoint system. Okay. It's a little archaic, like... But it's better than, like... Because I, I found my copy of Sapphire when I was you know, yeah. in my Pokemon Go phase... I didn't even remember I played Sapphire. Right. And I found the card. I'm like, oh, I had Pokemon Sapphire. So I plug it in. No yeah. idea. Where the I'm old like, games I'm like, are really bad about I'm that. In the middle of like a, I'm in the middle of grass. I call grass. I'm like, I don't know where. I, what, what I'm supposed to be doing. Boom, where this am I going? game is better about that because it does give you like, um, it gives you like a global map where you can see the four islands. Mm -hmm. And then you can zoom in on it. And then there's a little flag to show you where you need to go next. Now... It's not perfect. Sometimes it's hard to find the flag and how you get there. Mm -hmm. Eventually, you it's do still get... better than nothing, right? And eventually, you do get the ability to fast travel via Charizard. Mm -hmm. And any Poke Center that you've been to before, you can fast travel to it, and the game gets a lot easier from that point on. Um, but I've just it, it, in about twenty eight hours. It's just it had given all it had to give, and then it just turns into this grind. I think the other problem, too, is that the game didn't become challenging until my Pokemon hit, like, level 50. And so everything was just a formality. And it's, it's, it plays the same as every Pokemon before it in that regard, in that you get your starter Pokemon, you keep him as the lead in your party, mm -hmm. and eventually your starter Pokemon is, like, 10 levels stronger than any other Pokemon that you're going to come against. And there's EXP share in this one, so even like your, it used to be like you'd have to rotate guys in and out. So you'd have your starter Pokemon in the front, but then you take him out and take one of the other guys in and build them up really quickly so that you have a well-rounded party. Until I got to level 50 with my Pokemon, my starter Pokemon could just wipe out everything in one hit over and over. And again, that's not different from mm -hmm. prior Pokemon games. They've always been that way. And this one's the same way, but... It just feels like the game, the story moves so slow, and then when things do happen, because it's taken so long and there's been so many hints about what's going to happen, you know it's going to happen before it does. You're just waiting for it to drop. Um, I don't know. 
it's I'm so torn on this game. Like I just I've played it for forty plus hours, and I'm like you. I've been sitting there. And I'm like, why am I doing this? <laughs> why do I keep having these same battles with these same Pokemon using the same attack, the same skills, the same knowledge, the same everything? It's just I don't know. I feel like I have this recessive gene that just made, and this has happened to me with other games before, many times over, where I, I finish and I look at the time that I spent and I feel like a piece of crap. I'm just like. <laughs> Why did I just burn 40 hours? I burned on this game mat. That's a full work week. And so, you know, you, you at a certain point you get in so deep that you're like, I, I got to go forward now. But then I look back on it and I'm like, why? I just wasted 40 hours of my life. It wasn't a waste, but I look at it like, what else could I have want those done? Back. Yes, I want them back now, <laughs> is what I'm saying. Like, I don't know. It's like I said, it's a perfect, and I'm, you know, I'm starting to think about this now too because you know all these things are all oh, going to come to Switch, and you know maybe it makes a jump to console and blah blah blah, and of course Switch is portable as well. But I just don't know if this series can stand on its own two feet as a console experience where you are just sitting down and just grinding through the game instead of playing it in bits and pieces. And like I said, it is a lot more palatable to that type of play now because you do know where you're supposed to go and what you're supposed to do. If you come back to it, it's not a complete puzzle of like, oh my gosh, like where am I supposed to go now? Like you do know. And so in that way, it's a lot more functional as a handheld game. But, you know, it, like I said in last week, I was saying, oh, I didn't think a lot of the changes made any of it much of a difference. It, now that I'm 40 hours into it, it, they really don't. Like it is still the same thing. And I guess maybe I'm, Preaching to people who know this already. Like, this that's what Pokemon is. Yeah. Like, it is just this game where you do the same thing over and over again. And uh, either you kind of enjoy that grindy thing or you don't. But you don't have to grind. Like, that's the thing. You don't. There are periods in other Pokemon games where I'd be like, oh, crap. Like, the makeup of this team that I'm facing now, I don't have the right lineup of Pokemon in my party to beat it. And I've not never gotten to that point. I've, I think I've died twice in the whole game, right? To be sent back to the Poké Center. Hmm. Um, and in prior games, I would die way more than that. And, you know, the gating, the difficulty gating in this game, just like other ones, it's all about how far away is that Pokémon Center. Because, you know, you can heal with potions and things like that while you're in battle, but, you know, what makes it tough is when they put you in this gauntlet where you have to fight, like, ten trainers and then a boss before they, they take you someplace where you can heal everybody completely. And that gate is in play here as well, so... I honestly don't know whether to recommend this game to people. And I know that's a complete and utter failing as a critic. Um, I feel like if you like, like, a, if you're a Pokemon fan, you know yeah. already. Yeah, you're right. It's, I mean, it's Pokemon. That's probably the right tack to take. If you're talking it. about a review proof game, this yeah. has got to be one of them. Because, um, you know, shortcomings are not whatever. Like, you know what you're getting into. Yeah. Especially if you played Alpha, Alpha Omega, or uh, X and Y. Because it seems like a very. Uh, expected offshoot of of that kind of style. Yeah. Also, by the way, I am uh, playing it on the original 3DS. I have not got an XL or any upgrade. I still have my launch, my black launch 3DS, and it looks fine the most of the time. But anytime you get in a battle where it's you and a partner against another tandem with two Pokemon, so there are four Pokemon on screen and four character models, and it just turns into a slideshow. Hmm. Literally, it probably goes down to about 8 to 10 frames a second. Like, even when you attack a Pokemon and their meter drains, it drains in, like, (laughs) chunks. Wow. Like, it goes, er, 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 er. Like, 
Yeah, I think they uh, they're I think they're counting at this point that most people have the XL. And look, it's a turn-based RPG, so it doesn't affect gameplay mm. in any way. But it is funny that like it look it appears Nintendo is starting to develop its games, assuming most people have an XL mm. and the slightly faster hardware. Um, but yeah, like I said, turn-based battles it doesn't mean that much. Yeah, so you can get it for a hundred bucks this Black Friday. Yeah, you sure can. Um, but that's the last thing I'm going to say on Pokemon uh, Sun and Moon. My game eval, I think I'll finish it tonight while this show's rendering out. At least I hope so. Um, and then someday over the weekend we'll have the game eval up. But I do feel guilty for spending so much time on this when I could have been working on a bunch of other stuff. I feel like I should have assigned it out to somebody else, but I got so hmm. far. I wanted to talk about it on the show last week, and so I dove into it right away. And hmm. once I got so far, I'm like, it's pointless for me to give this to somebody else and have them burn the same That's three or four huge days. toilet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyway. Yeah, I don't know. I, I have it, but I haven't opened it. You haven't? Yeah. I just haven't. I'm, I haven't. I haven't done that to myself yet. This was. This was a week of Final Fantasy 15. Yeah, it'll scratch the itch. I'll say that much. But maybe it scratches it a little too much to where it breaks the skin a little bit. <laughs> I think that's a good, good way to put it. So let's move on. Next, we're going to talk about something that could have been. Mm-hmm. So we. I think we talked about Glixel last week. Yeah, we yeah. did. When we talked about uh, that the new site that Rolling Stone has created. Mm-hmm. Well, also Vice has launched a brand new gaming website. And uh, they've been kind of doing the same thing Glixel has. They've been putting out kind of big features. And the big feature this week on Vice Gaming, I can't remember what the name of the sort of the subtitle is of their site. It's terrible. Uh-huh. But they, Patrick Klepik wrote a great feature on Sleeping Dogs 2. And as you know, Sleeping Dogs... Kind of like middle-of-the-road action adventure. It's like a poor man's like Grand Theft Auto, I guess is the best mm-hmm. way to describe it. It did have elements that were different from... I think it was better than a lot of people expected it to be, especially yeah. after the long development hell where it originally might was sort of true crime Hong Kong at yeah. one point, and then it maybe was a totally different game. It just got rebranded or something. It, was, it had a long and convoluted history, and it turned out way more solid than anybody expected it to. Well, the thing that was unique about it was kind of the combat system. How you could mm-hmm. like slam people into yeah. objects inside and use like the environment as part of the combat. Yeah, and I think it was one of the one of the first open world games I played where like it was well, you know you could get down to kind of the hands and fists like combat, and you could go all the way up to like kind of macro vehicle like city city size stuff, and it all worked. Like, yeah. it, like it, you know the, the 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 microscope could go way small and it could go way big, and it all hung together, um, which was sort of a novel thing at the time. Yeah. I mean, I enjoyed... I, I never finished it, but I think I played it 10 or 15 mm. hours. I did sure. finish it. I did actually finish it. It was good. I enjoyed my time with it, but ultimately the game did not sell especially well. And so today, or yeah, I think it was today, maybe yesterday. Days are just bleeding together in the world of Pokemon. But basically they published an article talking about what Sleeping Dogs 2 was going to be. Did you read the article? No. Dude. I didn't even know this existed until you sent the rundown. Oh, it was going to be insane. It was going to be, like, probably the most ambitious video game I've ever read about. Hmm. Matt, do you think that that would have been a good idea? Uh, hard to say. Like, I don't... Because the other thing is, like, for this... You know, the first game was very ambitious, too, and for the most part, it pulled off what it was trying to do. It did. For the um, most part. It was, it, I, I dug it, and uh, you know, I wouldn't have minded seeing them try to take another shot at it. It certainly deserved a follow-up more than a lot of other games that do get follow-ups. I mean, let's be honest. What, Sleeping Dogs 
does things with combat that no open world game still does. Yeah. I mean, generally, hand-to-hand combat and even gunplay in open world games tends to have a certain level of jank to it. Mm-hmm. And this, they, felt, this felt pretty good. I mean, the nice. hand-to-hand stuff felt amazing. Yeah. Like, you could do crazy stuff. It was, like, gory. And, like, they set up each room to do very specific things. Like, you could press someone's face against, like, a hot plate mm-hmm. and, like, ambitious. And this, the sequel, the proposed sequel, was going to just be miles and miles beyond that. And uh, I was just reading the feature, and I'm thinking to myself, no wonder you guys closed. <laughs> I hate to say it, but but it's like... There's, a, there's something to be said for studios that know what they're capable of within mm. their talents, their resources, and their budget, and then deliver that product based around those parameters, and those who... You kind of hit that little think you can play with the big boys and you're not quite there yet. I mean, I'm wondering if Square Enix isn't in that position right now with Final Fantasy XV. I think Final Fantasy XV is... I think Final Fantasy XV is fighting for Square Enix's right to remain called a triple-a developer square is japan yeah. i mean they're western studios oh, i mean like, yeah montreal and and like the, the hitman guys and the deus ex like that stuff will, yeah tomb raider for sure but in terms of like the, the the japanese side like will they i mean if they're going to be a force with any title that isn't a kingdom hearts game yeah like and that's basically riding on the disney thing yeah. and the fact that uh if you were what if you were 10 when Kingdom Hearts 1 came out, I think you'll be 25 when 3 comes out. Yeah. Like, wow. Yeah, it's crazy to think about. Yeah. Like, like there, are, there are people who, like, in a reasonable time span, you know, there are people who died before they could see the end of this no, game. And in terms of, like, it's something that could have been out, like, in, like, five span of five years, uh, the, the, the drawn-outness of this is ridiculous, but it continues to sell because it's Disney. Yeah. And uh, beyond that, I don't like Square Japan. Just not, does not really have anything that can punch in the weight class of the, the Tomb Raider level. I'm wondering if Square Enix was ultimately the reason the studio closed, because mm-hmm. it also was working on this game called Smash and Grab. Right. And that game literally like went into beta, and then the and, day after and, it went into beta, yeah. the studio closed. Very weird. If you're a studio. And you know you're going through some rough times, and like the end could come at any point. Do you release the beta like the day before? No. Like that shows that they did they not. They had no know. idea. No. Right. And so I'm wondering if Square Enix looked at Smash and Grab, and then looked at this crazy plan for Sleeping Dogs too, and was just like, no moss. Which is kind of ridiculous when you're like. What I'm playing for Final Fantasy, you know, what, what I'm playing that's called Final Fantasy 15, and I'm like, wishes it were Sleeping Dogs. Eleven years, yeah. And this is what you came up with, yeah. And you shut down Sleeping Dogs too. Mm-mm. Yeah. I think I think you made the wrong call. Maybe. Well, you, maybe I you think sh- personally, I think Square Enix, if it, it indeed did shut down the studio, made the right call because I think if. If it had invested that much time and money into Sleeping Dogs 2, I think it would have been a terrible investment. Hmm. Or it could have been a breakout hit. We'll never know. Uh, Smash and grab is the thing that I didn't understand the point of yeah. myself. Like I don't I feel like, you know, that kind of thing is pretty much covered by payday. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And like why and it didn't would, look much better than payday no. and it came out five years after it. And why bother to try to come but yeah, that's what I don't get is like you know, these companies that make these like 
Me Too multiplayer game, especially in the free to play space, with the idea like, what do you think? What do you, what do you think's gonna happen? Especially if it's not I mean, based same, on an existing IP. Right. If it's like a new IP, it makes no sense it's whatsoever. Like I have the same question about Battleborn. You know? It's yeah. Like, it's like what? What was? What was your? What was your like ideal outcome on that one? Like, what did you think was going to happen? Yeah, but I mean, they started working on that way before Overwatch was ever announced. Yeah, but announced Overwatch, and... I don't think, even has anything to do with that. Really? I don't think, over... even if Overwatch hadn't come out, I don't think Battleborn would have done well. Uh, I think it would have done better. Maybe better, but I don't think it would have done well. I don't think it would have yeah. done what they needed it to do. But I mean, there's no... There was and no... now you can get it for like three cents in, Literally a, like, in a Humble Bundle. Like so... $5 or whatever. I mean, it's... it's... That game is going free to play. It just oh, hasn't happened yet. Yeah. It's, it's bad, but it's like... I mean, there was like, no prior think... game like it, though. There was no MOBA shooter before it to yep. lay down the template to tell you, hey, I should stay away, or... Yeah, well, it's like sometimes, you know, people... It's like, I can't remember what I said this about originally. It was some, some movie-related thing, maybe the TV-related thing. But it was a dumb twist. It was a dumb twist recently. And it was just like, oh, like, oh well, people are like, we're trying to excuse it with, like, like oh, it was the Martha thing in Batman vs Superman. It's like, it's yeah, like yeah. well, no one had ever done that with the with the fact that Batman and Superman's moms both have the same name. So that's like a really cool new thing. And I'm like, you think no one thought of that in yeah. 80 years? <laughs> About do you know what happened there? Is like other people did in fact think of that idea, and they said no, that would be stupid, stupid and yeah. they didn't do it. Right. And it's like just because. Just because it doesn't exist... First, doesn't, doesn't mean, make it good. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't, doesn't mean that it's like, oh, no one's thought of this and we got to jump in and fill that niche. Other people probably look at it and be like, no, nah, not worth it. Like, yeah. that's not going to happen. Like, you know, there's, there's a real problem right now, I think, with uh, publishers, you know, trying to, you know, as you might say, make fetch happen with various genres that are already ruled with an iron fist by a particular game or a particular company. And I just don't, and you know, and it's it. You see it in in the sense of like smash and grab. Like clearly, uh, that was pro- it had to be a contrib- con- contributor to why they shut that developer down. You know, we lost the developer because of that. And like maybe if you'd stick to stuff that has has a future, rather than like trying to do this me too stuff. Well, didn't they do APB? Wasn't that one of its games as well? I thought that was the the ex Rockstar guys. There was one other game that they did. It was like a Sleeping Dogs like online only thing. I don't remember that. Yeah, I can't remember. I, remember, I looked up but... their their you know all the games they worked on when they shut them down. Sleeping Dogs was really the only thing that stood out. Yeah, they they worked like for like you know ports of things a lot, but in terms of original content, like Sleeping Dogs was like their their main thing. Yeah. And everything else, I was like, no, oh, I never really played any of that. I guess the whole point. Yeah, I did they get work? To... Did they work on the relaunch of APB? Was that it? Maybe. Like, I, I don't remember who, who was involved in that game. The one thing that I, I just wanted to say, and the reason I brought this whole topic up, is because after reading that feature, I knew why they were shut down. Triad Wars. That's what Triad Wars, yeah. yeah. And I think Triad Wars is the online-only yeah. Sleeping Dogs. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I just, as soon as I read this feature, I'm like, well, no shit you got <laughs> shut down. Like, I could just see them going into a meeting and pitching this to, and, and you know, Square Enix sitting there and saying, well, we know what you did with Sleeping Dogs, and now you think you're going to do all this? Like, no way. Like, there's a, uh, it's like in baseball, when you have, like, people who go up and try to swing for a home run. And it's like, no, you're not a home run hitter. You hit doubles. Go up and hit your double. 
and get the second base. So the home run hitter comes in and like knocks you around. It, it's a little bit of like knowing your role and knowing what you're good at and maximizing that. And Somewhat, but it's, I get that must be hard to take from a company like Square Enix, where then you look at something right. like Final Their Fantasy products. 15, yeah. and you're like, you can't even make any of these characters feel like a human. Yeah. Like for one scene, you can't make any of these people feel like real people. And you're telling us that we can't do what we do. Yeah. And you know, I think that's. I, I'll tell you that much. I sure as hell would rather play Sleeping Dogs two than what we got from Final Fantasy fifteen so far. Whoa. There you go. Even 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 without having read the article, I can tell you I'd rather play Sleeping Dogs two, even if it was fa- even if it was an ambitious failure. Uh, at least is an ambitious failure that had some vision. At least it was ambitious. Yeah. There you go. I, I mean, just... the, the the ambitions of Final Fantasy fifteen have nothing to do with Final Fantasy fifteen. They have everything to do with. We have to make another Final Fantasy. Yeah. Which is not a reason to make anything. You're right. That's a good point. Let's move along. PlayStation Experience coming up next week, Matt. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sony finally put out basically all the details. Well, not all the details, but most and of the details yeah. on what's going to happen. Um, I think the biggest thing is three unannounced games will be shown off for the first time there. They're doing panels for three of them. Although I'm wondering if that's really the case, because if you look at... So they did you look at the list of games that Sony put out for this? Holy cow. a lot of them in there. Oh my god. It's like literally like 150. Didn't even need God of War, it turns out. Well, that's what I was getting at. So if you look at that list, it's like God of War isn't there. Mm -hmm. And so I'm assuming that one of those panels is going to be for God of War. Unannounced games? Well, it, it didn't say unannounced game. It said unannounced panel. So people are assuming that it's either unannounced games or they just don't want to admit that some games are going to be there, like God of War. It's weird that you just you flat out say that God of War is not going to be there, though. Yeah. And then have it be there. Right. Well, they didn't say it's not going to be there. No. It's just not in any of the documentation Mm -hmm. there. That's why I'm assuming it's going to be one of them. By the way, the list of games were all playable. All that list of 100 games were the playable games that are going to be there. Well, that would make sense if it wasn't on there, because I bet I wouldn't expect God of War to be playable yet. Yeah, that's why it led me to think, oh, Mm -hmm. they made me rethink how they kind of used nomenclature to describe the panels. I was like, oh, well, it says unannounced panel, not game. Right. Which made me be like, oh, well, God of War's not down here. Probably up there. Any guesses on what the other two games might be, man? I'm hoping one of them will be whatever Sucker Punch has been doing. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I would think, is Spider-Man one of the playable games? It's not listed, no. I bet that's the other one. You're probably right. Insomniac Spider-Man. Because you were saying, in, was it last week's episode, you said it should be coming out middle of the year next year? That's what I would guess. I mean, I know it has nothing to do with the movie. It's a totally separate thing, but they like to synergize these things. So I would guess it would either come out around the time of the movie in July, or it would come out around the time of the movie being released on Blu-ray in the fall. Could be Days Gone as well. Could be one of the yeah, games. Yeah, Days Gone might do be a panel one of them. For. I mean, uh, that, would make, that would probably make more sense than, some, than a new Sucker Punch game, really. Um, because that's something that's there, it's known. They probably have new, new assets, new stuff to show. So yeah, probably God of War, um, Days, Days Gone, Gone, and, and, uh, and Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Yeah, that's probably right. <laughs> it's not as that's exciting That's really disappointing. Now, yeah. <laughs> Run it all down. Yeah, we did. Uh, we found it all. I mean, I really want to see more Spider-Man. The Spider-Man game definitely has my attention. Yeah, I mean, I'm more. It's like all we've yeah. seen is that trailer, which they said is gameplay cut together or whatever. Yeah. But in engine, to see it actually mm-hmm. being played, and it's going to be interesting to see. You know, now we're, fun- we're getting. You know, these are going to be games that have been built with PlayStation Pro in mind, as opposed to pe- poorly patched to work with it on launch day. So I'm interested to see. You know, get the the the, the Pro version of Days Gone from the E3. 
area uh, was amazing. It really like, was. Yeah. Looked, you know, all that stuff looks great. So, although a lot of people will point out that it's like three different zombie models repeated over and over. Oh, yeah. Well, stop looking so closely at the zombies. Kill them. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I can I can understand. Yeah, people's. but I mean that's true of like Dead Rising or, or Left for Dead. You know, anything with anything with hordes like hordes of, of zombies is going to look like that. And like ideally, the game is going to be intense enough that you don't have time to criticize the zombies' shirt color choices. So yeah, I'm also assuming should be a huge blowout for the Last Guardian. This happens yeah. uh, December like, 3rd through the 6th, and the then Last Guardian comes, comes out, out on the 8th. Yeah, so. I'm assuming they may have the whole game on the floor there. Yeah, one would hope. Um, which means a lot of media could be bleeding out of there right before the game launches, mm-hmm. so you might want to go on media blackout for, for that one. Especially if it's as short as I think it is. <laughs> Let's hope not. Uh, so here's a, here are, here's a handful of games that were in that massive list, because there were literally probably 150 games there. Yeah. Unfortunately, if you actually go and look through them, there was only a handful that really kind of caught my eye. And here we go. Ace Combat 7, man. Mm. Finally, Ace Combat 7. You, you were just talking about it, I think, a month ago on the yeah. show. You're saying, what the hell happened to Ace Combat 7? You're a big fan of the series. Mm-hmm. It's going to be there. Yeah. And that's the game that's going to get my girlfriend to try VR, finally. Oh, that's right. Because she loves Ace Combat. I'm petrified of trying this game in VR after <laughs> my prior experiences getting sick playing VR games. I'm excited because I find the the in cockpit stuff to be much easier to deal with. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just it's it makes more sense to your brain. I, I guess think. so. I can see that. Um, and my, you know, the first VR thing I ever played was the you know the Alpha of Eve Valkyrie that they'd thrown together for E3 a couple years a few years ago, and um, first time I pulled like a really high you know high G turn basically. Uh, my whole brain just went, whoa, it just like my whole brain turned over in my head, essentially. <laughs> and the, 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 the a, a strong Icelandic accent came from the side, like, look at your body, look down at your body. And I, and I looked down at my like virtual body and everything settled. Everything was like, oh, okay, I get it. You know, now my brain knows where I am. Right. What's happening. But I, I always <laughs> so remember, I always remember that. Everything just went, I was like, whoa. And all of a yeah. sudden, the, uh, yeah, I would, I will always remember that strong Icelandic man. Who brought me back from the brink? <laughs> uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, obviously a big, a big game for any show, not yeah. just a PlayStation only show. Their biggest thing for the next six months, I would say. Yeah, I'm hoping we get a new demo. You know, the game is kind of rounding the corner now, which is pretty exciting to think about. Yeah, I mean, we're what three months out. Yeah, that's really exciting to think about. Been a long wait, but not as long as some games. But uh, I'm assuming we'll get a new demo of that at the very least. Um, there yeah. should be plenty to show off at this point with the game just a few months away. So hopefully we get a new demo of that. Um, MLB The Show 17 hasn't been shown yet. They uh, put out a trailer for it. That should it. look pretty amazing. That comes pro. out in like two months. Um, so we should get a, another look, or the first look, at mm-hmm. Sony's uh, exclusive baseball game. I still can't believe no one else is making MLB games other than yeah. like those arcade things. I do like out. the show games. Yep. They're the only sports games I play regularly. So we'll get a look at that. Here's the biggest one, though. Resident Evil 7. Is it the biggest one? Well, it should be the game that we learn the most mm-hmm. about, other than maybe those three. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, dude... Do you realize Resident Evil 7 is like a month and a half away from release? Mm-hmm. That's crazy to think about. Think back to Resident Evil 6 and Resident Evil 5. How many trailers we had for those games by now? Mm. 
I mean, we're talking dozens of trailers and media and interviews and developer docs and you, you name it. There was just gobs and gobs of media. You go to the Resident Evil 7 page on Sifted right now and you look at it and it's like basically all opinion shows like Game Face and the podcast from all the other websites and then like three more pieces of media. Like there is just nothing for this game and it's so close. Like I... You know, with the PlayStation VR tie-in, like, I just feel like this is going to be its massive blowout for Resident Evil 7 information. That's kind of the game that I've targeted. It has to be. Maybe. I mean, I, they're playing this one real close to the vest, like, in, the, in terms of, like, what, you know, they're playing up the mystery of what is it and what are they doing with the series and how does it tie into the other games and all that. I, I wonder how far they're going to push that. Well, then Capcom said it's only expecting sales of 3 to 4 million worldwide. And I'm like, well, yeah, if you have a promotional plan like this, that's probably all you should expect. But that seems crazy. That's like bottom of the barrel numbers for a Resident Evil game. Mm -hmm. Starting over. Yeah, I, I think this game is going to be a big focal point. I think we'll mm -hmm. probably see a stage demo at the press conference. I think there'll be a, maybe the full game again on the floor where I attendees don't, I, can play. I think you're wrong. I think they're going to play this one real quiet. I think they're gonna. They're, I mean, they're gonna know it's there, but they're not gonna show much. Well, if Capcom has to churn out another god awful quarterly report like it just did, mm. no one's gonna wonder why. Yeah. Well, I mean, part. I mean, if you're focusing on V, obviously you don't need VR to play the game, but I mean, it's, there's a VR focus to it, and like you're automatically limiting your sales by doing that. Yeah. At this point, there's, there's just not that many headsets out there. Yeah, but I mean, like you said, you don't have to play it for yeah. VR, and I'm guessing probably. 80% to 90% of the people who play Resident Evil 7 are not mm. going to play it in VR. They're going to play it just traditionally. And here's the thing. I, I don't think it comes off too well outside of VR. It, it's a little bit of a tougher sell because you can see that the visuals have been sacrificed a bit mm -hmm. for it to run on, on VR. Um, and like it, it's not a very compelling way to play the game, I don't think, outside. I mean, in VR, you're like, holy shit, you're in there and everything yeah. else. Something can jump at you at any time and it... You know, it, you're, you're there in the moment, and like, but it, you don't have that same kind of intensity when you're playing on a screen. I mean, for a perfect example, I didn't like PT. Mm -hmm. I mean, I wish I still had it on my hard drive just because, but I honestly didn't enjoy playing it. Like, I liked it, but I don't understand why people freaked out about it. I mean, to me, like, I was just there are, a there are dull first-person horror game. But there are people that will say, like, that is the greatest thing made in, like, three generations. No. And I'm, yeah, constantly. Really? Look, look, on, look on NeoGAF. People think it's the greatest thing ever made sometimes. And I'm like... No, it's wow. it's like a horror permutation of the Stanley Parable. Like, it's, it, like there's there's not really. A, I mean, it's cool. Different strokes for different folks. It's, I try to respect everyone else's opinion, but that's a tough one for me to accept. Yeah, I mean, it's cool, and it's like it's different, and it's not like you know what anybody was expecting. And I get that, but like I've played through that thing like three times, and like look. The way you even solve that thing is in in name. It's like insane. The whole thing, like saying names into the headset and all, that, and like it's it's just classic Kojima bullshit. Like, and like here's my thing about that game, and I don't want to get off on a tangent here too much, but if it wasn't for the internet and other people helping you play through that, most people would stop playing yeah. that in like five minutes. Yeah. Because once you've picked up the phone eight times, you're like, oh no, you're gonna do it nine times. Like mm -hmm. it's just. It's just garbage. Like There's a I, lot of great moments in like you know, little visual tricks. Anybody would say like, that is one of the best games ever. Oh, for sure. No, I mean, there's people talking about like bronzing their PS4 or whatever for this. I mean, it's yeah. <laughs> P PT is an extremely highly regarded game among the enthusiast crowd. I think it's just because some people. It's because you can't get it anymore. Don't. Yeah, I'm sure. It's the, 
yeah, the, the, the fear of missing out thing is kind of in play there, I think, for sure. Yep, and then la- the last game that caught my eye from PlayStation Experience, Ukulele. I'm all over that game. The more I see of it, the more I'm excited by it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's crazy to see ukulele at a PlayStation event. Still, to me, that's very odd. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's to nice see a rare see... game on PlayStation. Well, it's also nice to see it kind of gaining legitimacy with the mainstream platforms, you know? Yeah. Because uh, you kind of think of these, even even the su- really successful Kickstarter stuff, you kind of think of as like, oh, it's a, play- a PlayStation, you know, or a PC release, yeah. and maybe it'll get a, play- a PlayStation release, but like, no one will really know what it is. Like, but they're treating this as like a big event game, even though it's not coming out of the same channels as normally you would. Yeah. And uh, that's good to see. It's just odd to see those people working on a, on a game for a PlayStation platform. It's odd to see those people working on a game I want to play for the first time in 20 years. Yeah, for, that's know, a good like point. These, well, what was guys, the last Rare game that was worth playing, really? I mean, some people would say v, the Viva Pinatas, but yeah. it's, not, it's a very different thing. Yeah, I guess I would say um, that. That's probably right. But in terms of like you know like a platformer style thing like conquer, yeah, it's been a rough road, and that's probably why these guys left. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm so sick of making this point. mediocre it's, it's, crap. It's sort of like you know Horizon Zero Dawn, where it's like you know you've got these these teams that have been stuck on these things that have been man you know corporately mandated for how many years, and you're like, God, what kind of ideas must these guys have that they haven't been able to use? Yeah. For so long, and you're about to see this game that uses presumably all, all of them. them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's an exciting game, just in terms of what it is and who's doing it. Yep, I'm pretty excited about that. So, PlayStation Experience, December third through the sixth. We'll actually have another episode of this show before PlayStation Experience happens. At least we should, barring something happening. <laughs> um, Maybe we'll do some kind of a hangout or a viewing party for a PlayStation experience. It's kind of the last big event of the whole year, that and the Game Is that Awards. Local? That's here, right? It's in Anaheim. Right. Yeah. So it's just forty five minute drive down the four oh five or whatever. So <laughs> That's optimistic. Yeah. <laughs> Probably more like two hours or whatever. Uh so it's still coming up, but we want to get it on your radar so you guys know to expect it and also kind of have a good idea of what's gonna happen at the show. So let's move along. Um I feel like the industry, I keep, I keep getting depressed by it, and then elated by it, and then depressed by it. It's just this roller coaster that just keeps going, and most of it is related to sales. So, you know, I've been watching these MPD reports where we get the year-over-year sales, and they keep going down, and I'm, I'm like, oh my gosh, no. And then, you know, I think you had mentioned, well, PlayStation 4 Pro, when that comes out, like, things are going to turn around. We don't have those numbers yet, though. We don't. Although we do in Japan. Mm. First week of PlayStation Pro in Japan, did it did 65,000 units. This week it did 12,000 units. So it doesn't look like it's going to affect mm. too much in Japan. Of course, we're completely different over here. It could make huge noise here. Yeah, we don't know. And a lot of... Like, this, part of the other problem is like we're kind of constantly having to extrapolate from UK sales. Yeah. Uh, and we don't necessarily know what, you know, if economically that like sales over there are translating into a worldwide phenomenon. Uh, especially because of the Brexit situation, right. like you're you're got a lot of weird stuff happening right now, and granted, like games are not being affected as badly as Toblerone. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, I did see but that. Like, yeah. uh, like candy is the candy market is getting screwed. At yeah, this point. Like, they're just injecting air into these things. But like, so I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what you know how far that goes. Usually, the UK sales have been a good yardstick. Um, 
to refuse to use metric because we are. Yeah, Patrick kind of blew off the UK sales numbers. I kind of agree with him on that at this point. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that in other years, but this year I just there's so many X factors. But here's the thing. So we were seeing all these reports coming out of the UK about all these big time games doing really poorly. Patrick answers a question about it. Says you know he thinks it's all bollocks and it doesn't Mm. matter because the UK is such a small market. Well, GameStop has its quarterly financial report, and basically what GameStop says is all the big Q4 games are not doing up to expectations. So the one that was brought up specifically by GameStop is Call of Duty Infinite Warfare. Um, It said it's already tracking well below what the expectations were and well below last year's game. For GameStop. For GameStop, See, I think you put too much stock in GameStop in that regard. Well, they are the biggest... Brick and mortar retailer in the U.S. GameStop, yeah. Walmart is infinitely larger than them in terms of game sales at retail. Right, like, but we don't ever get any information from Walmart. Right, but that doesn't change that fact. Like it still counts as sold items, even if we have no way to track them. Let me let me point GameStop, them at you. GameStop's business is collapsing underneath it, no, and no, I don't no, think I that's that. I don't think that's about game sales. I think it's about nobody goes to GameStop anymore. I I don't think that's true. But to kind of address your point, when you run a poll. The first 5,000 people who answer the poll, you have your answer right then. You can poll another 10 million people, and the percentages are going to change maybe a point or two across those extra people. Like, really, it only takes a very small sample size to be able to project something out. And so GameStop has more than enough sample size to kind of figure out whether games are really doing poorly if they're selling at GameStop. And if you go back and look at prior quarterly reports from GameStop, when they said a game wasn't doing well, when the MPD came out, by golly, that game didn't do very well. So, But like NPD is also showing software sales up year over year. Where hardware right, sales so are that's down. what I was getting at. So this this roller coaster. It's like, oh my God, hardware sales are doing terrible. Oh my God, games are selling really bad in the UK. And also remember the NPD, it was an NPD analyst who's now posting on GAF. And in the thread on NPD, the NPD results, he said, don't put too much doom and gloom stock in the Infinite Warfare numbers because it only had like two days. Yeah. Um, which it was interesting for someone to say because I'm like, well, isn't sales front-loaded anyway? So like, wouldn't that still be an indicator? But he was very adamant that like, wait for November. He said November- what Pactor said. He basically basically. Waiting, he said, wait for November numbers before you get worried about Call of Duty. Um, and I'm like, all right. Like, I still feel like the opening weekend has something to say. That might just be the movie fan in me speaking. Yeah. But I feel like sales for these things are front-loaded. Like, you knew Titanfall was in trouble after it wasn't making the charts on the, after that first week. Yeah. And that partly and because, it is. Yeah. <laughs> and partly because, you know, Call of Duty was a week after it, so it had no chance to, you know, see also the Assassin's Creed movie, which will have a similar experience um, in the week after uh, Rogue One. But, like... Um, somehow in there, sales are still up for software. I don't know where that's coming from, uh, if all these major franchises are down. But so Let's run through this real quick. So pretty much the list of games that are underperforming according to UK data and GameStop, Infinite Warfare, as we mentioned, Watch Dogs 2, Titanfall 2, and then the last one I've added here is Gears of War 4. And the reason I've added Gears of War 4 is because today... You can buy Gears of War 4 for $30, half mm-hmm. price. And the game's not even a month out from release. Has it been a month? Maybe? Yeah, yeah it's a little over a month, yeah. Half price already. Mm-hmm. So, 
that tells you nobody sells a game for half price if they're selling it for full price. That's just not how it works. And if you look at all, and we're going to talk about Black Friday stuff here in a little bit, but... Like Black Friday stuff, you, if for something that's really selling, you might get like 10 bucks off. Right. Not half price. Not half price. But yeah. In the case of Titanfall 2, it had already fallen to that much before the Black Friday stuff started. So, Matt, do you really think that this is nothing? I mean, can you remember a Q4 where four of the biggest games were at half price or less a month after they came out? No. But at the same time, if sales are up software year over year, for October people, people it was, are yeah. buying something. So like, it's interesting that the, the big guys are underperforming, but overall software sales are up, which means people are putting their money somewhere else. The question is, where, are, where been, is that? Or it could have just been the last October was a terrible month for games and didn't have as many big releases as this mm. one did. Well, the, but the software sales for, are, are up. Right, year over year. They're up this year, which yeah. what I'm saying is they could have had a bad month for games last October. I don't remember what, if last October was I don't either. bad or not. I don't have no Certainly I don't remember as many uh, reports about you know, what we would consider surefire AAA big names underperforming. Yeah, like this. I mean, it's just, it's like every day, it's like one after another. We get mm -hmm. a new, oh, well, this one's not doing well either. It's like I'm afraid for games to release now. Like, what's going to happen to The Last Guardian? I'm probably gonna sell about what they expect. I, I can't. I can't believe Sony thinks that one's gonna, you know, crack the charts open wide open or anything. I mean, yeah. I mean, they are advertising. They're marketing, I mean, they're marketing the hell it. Out of it. They are. I mean, yeah. they are giving it the old college try. But yeah, like, no one will be able to say after this game yeah. comes out like it was sent out to die. Oh no, not at all. Anything at but. All. I mean, I'm seeing commercials for the Last Guardian during NFL yeah. football games. Oh, there've been billboards up for it for over a month here yeah. in LA, and like. Again, I keep going back to the Assassin's Creed movie. Like, I can't get away from those damn commercials for that. I mean, you, everyone's going to know that Assassin's Creed the movie is coming out. Yeah. It's not going to help, but yeah. they're going to know they're it's coming it's out. There, yeah. They're going to know what not to see. <laughs> um, I don't, I mean, that's going to be too late for us to talk about that movie, but when we come back in January, I'm sure I will have a, a review for you. Um, Do you not think, though, that we're starting to see kind of what's happened in Japan with mobile gaming start to really take hold here? Um, I don't think... If, if sales were down, I would maybe think so, but, like, here's the thing. Like, in terms of, like, where the sales are sort of flagging, I kind of, I kind of understand, you know? Like, I get it. Like, I mean, do you think finally people have reached, like, sequel fatigue? I think it might be a combination of that plus um, it's a volatile fall in terms of everything. Know, everything, politically <laughs> speaking, like yeah. people are unsure. You're not throwing money at luxury items when you're not sure what the economy is going to do in the next four months. Yeah. Um, you know, stock market was way down at the election. Stock market's way back up now. Like it's you know, it, it, it's very volatile, and you know, you're not quite willing to spend. You know, buy four games. Maybe you're only going to buy one game. You know, mm -hmm. it's. I think. I think that's happening to some degree. Um, maybe we'll see what Black Friday's numbers are like. I, I've been, I poked around on the Black Friday deals. I am not seeing anything particularly exciting in the video game space, like on Amazon or any of those places. Like, really? I mean, there's some deals, but it's like nothing that made me go, oh, wow. I mean, then like the, the ones that were like deep discounted were like, it's like Mafia 3. And it's just like, well. There's another bomb. Yeah. Well, it didn't bomb, actually. It sold really well. well apparently it sold really well, but we thought it should probably it should, bomb. It should, right. Which way turn people off to buying software in the future if so many people bought that and were disappointed in it? Yeah. So, which is funny because like Mafia Three might be one of the things helping buoy the sales up year over year as opposed to you know crashing. Well, I'm I feel very, like we've been I'm talking very, about this for. I'm at least very once curious a month about Infinite month. Warfare uh, 
actual sales? Like, because I know, and I and why that would be? Because I know, like, a lot of people say, "Well, it's because they wanted to charge you for Modern Warfare Remastered, and everybody was mad, so they boycotted it." Or like, I don't believe that for one damn either. second. Yeah, because gamers have no control when it comes to things they want to play. You know, there's the same, you know, that famous picture of like, you know, the the group, the Steam group that was like boycott Modern Warfare Two, and it's the launch day, and everybody's playing Modern Warfare Two. Yeah, and it's like. Um, I just don't believe that there are people in that kind of that were that angry in that, those kinds of numbers uh, to do that. And uh, so, why are people not buying this game? I don't know. Maybe they are buying it. It was only a couple of days of sales, but UK's been right with every game so far. I mean, Ubisoft came out and said, "Yes, Watch Dogs Two is selling far worse mm-hmm. than we wanted it to." We called that though. We did I call think, it. I, think, I mean, the gardener could have told us that that was going to happen in the wake of all these major shooters and this game that. You know, I think Watch Dogs 1 overperformed as a result of its comp- competitionless release window. When it, yeah. you know, it got delayed, came out, came out with nothing else around it, early in the next-gen space, there was nothing else that looked... You know, it didn't even look as good as it was supposed to look. You know, we had, it had the downgrade from what we saw at E3 years earlier, but it still looked like a game made for next-gen. It was doing some stuff that you could you know, put on your PlayStation 4 and be like, is it my PlayStation 4? It looks great. Sort of. I don't care about anything that's happening in this game. Um, well, Ubisoft is trying to say they're not. It's not concerned yeah. that it's looking at it like a platform and a long-term bet. Well, I think this. The, I think the game could have legs in terms of word I of mean, mouth. I mean, look at Grand Theft so. Auto Five. I'm sure that's what they're looking at. They're yeah. like, hey, look at what GTA is doing. It's still in the top ten every yeah. damn month. But this game isn't as good as Grand Theft Auto. It's Auto not. 5. But people really like it, and you know, I can I could see it being given as a gift for Christmas a lot. You know, like, yeah. you know, sometimes I'll do, I did I get. If if you had owned a PlayStation Four and you knew me, I gave you The Witcher Three last year. Yeah. I mean, it's just that's just you know. I'm sure a lot of gamers do that. They're gonna say you know, I, I and I again. Uh, I bought a Black Friday deal. It was only like it's like fifty six bucks for the deluxe Legacy Edition of Infinite Warfare. Yeah. I bought one of those on Amazon today for my friend for uh, for Christmas because he's a big military sci fi geek and i know he'll like it and yeah. i know he would never ever think of picking up a call of duty for himself right right so i think there's some of that maybe going to happen um is it going to make up for uh you know the sales that we're not seeing happening at launch because that's every you know all entertainment products are front loaded these days no like I, that's going to take some massive word of mouth some massive uh you know mind share increase for watchdogs you know watchdogs 2 is going to have to have quite the renaissance to make because the deficit well then if it, you couple that with ubisoft's new stance right. we were talking about earlier well, i think that's going to apply to watchdogs yeah but like well, i mean you know if these estimates are even close to accurate like the uk sales are 80 percent down from the first game i know um and i knew it was going to underperform compared to the first game because oh, yeah, it's got a competition but i didn't know it was going to do that, that i mean that's really bad which also maybe indicates that people didn't like you know watchdogs one sold very well but people didn't like it that much right but if you i mean if you look back at what ubisoft is saying about part of the core experience and then you look at what rockstar and 2k did with grand theft auto mm. 5 i mean Grand Theft Auto Online and all these new things that happen in that world, is that not a part of the base experience? I mean, it kind of yeah. is. Like yeah. all these, That's where Rockstar makes a lot of its money. It's hard to make that comparison right now with Watch Dogs 2 because the online didn't work. Right. So. Well, it does now. Does like, it now? Finally, okay. it does. Yeah, they finally got it fixed. It was supposed to launch over the weekend. They put out a patch that actually didn't fix the online. Yeah, it just removed the nudity. Right. And then yesterday... Because that was what you needed to do right. quickly rather than yeah. make the game working. Well, they can't have moms going crazy. 
<laughs> over nudity in a video game. You know, their kids shouldn't be playing it unless yeah, they're an adult. Yeah, the, the M-rated game they bought their kids. Yeah, exactly. For. Yeah. So, I mean, if you look at that model, I mean, for Ubisoft to say this game's going to have legs, maybe content-wise, but financially, I don't know. Like I want, yeah, and I, yeah, I'm sure Watch Dogs Three is already on the on the on the boards because uh, Ubis, Ubisoft going to Ubisoft. Yeah. Um, like, do you think this that affects this? You know, do they, do they, does that do they look at that and say, oh, maybe not, or do they think like we've got a, you know, do they acknowledge that like we've got a good game here in uh, in Watch Dogs Two in a lot of ways? You know, maybe the narrative is not as strong as it could be, but. It's fun. It's fun to screw around with. And, like, you know, maybe... Especially with... Because if they're talking about... Like, we talked about a couple shows ago about how they want to shift their narrative uh, concepts conceptually to more of an organic and open way. Like, right. Like, the, Watch Dogs would of, benefit... Like, uh, Watch Dogs would benefit tremendously from that. Because if you could just make that flow a little better and not make me feel like I'm stopping my open world fun to focus on this story I don't particularly care about... Uh, that would improve the experience immensely. So Watch Dogs 3 would be a very very good test bed for that new idea, I think. I just hope they don't kill the series. Because the series does have potential. I just hope they don't kill it uh, because this one underperformed. Well, I think part of their problem is, is that they put out two games and they've been like basically completely different. Well, yeah. Like, imagine yeah. if you put a screenshot of Watch Dogs 2... Next to a screenshot oh, of the yeah. first watch, nobody would ever guess they were the same franchise. No, I mean this is GTA Three versus Saints Row. Exactly. It's, you know, it's it's too complete. Yeah, they, I mean, at least they're recognizing that the Watch Dogs One approach was not the right approach. A lot of people bought the first one, though. Yeah, but a lot of people apparently didn't like it very much. Did or, they? Or do they not like this one? They liked the old one, and they're pissed off that they changed it so much, and they're like, "I'm not buying that." I, I mean, it's possible, but like, I'd prefer not to think that people love the Me too. <laughs> the edgelordy gray bullshit of the first game. I'd agree with that. At least I hope so. But I, here's one thing I would say: is I, watch... am, I am used to at this point in this year, I am used to disappointment in what people want. Though. Yeah, yeah, you're right for sure. <laughs> wink, wink. So here's what I would say: Watch Dogs Two is a great game. And a lot of times when you have a great game that maybe doesn't do real well out of the gate, there is kind of some hope that over time enough people will Mm -hmm. experience it and get around it enough that they buy it or enough people talk about it. It's not a lost cause yet, I guess Mm. is what I'm trying to say. On some of these other games... 80% is a big number. That is huge, yeah. Titanfall 2 might be a lost cause, though. Maybe. I hope Respawn's not a lost cause. No. They'll have all that Star Wars money flowing in right. from EA. They'll be fine. But, but Titanfall, like that campaign in Titanfall 2 makes me want more Titanfall. More yeah. of the world. Not the, you know, I don't even care about the I want more Titanfall more than I want more Watch Dogs. Yeah. I'll say that much. Yeah. Unique shooters are few and far between these days. That's all right, true. Let's move along. And I will always default to giant robots. Yeah. So yep. Maybe Watch Dogs 3 has giant robots. Yeah. Let's move on. Can mean one thing. Time for our weekly Nintendo Switch update. <laughs> I wish I had some kind of unique sound effect. Maybe we need to find one for Sam to yeah. fire off just get, get every the, week when we do the Switch just update. Just get that little jingle they play when Mario dies. Actually, you know what? There is a whole bank of sound effects in the TriCaster. And yeah, I, think I never got those to play right. There's we a, pack, had a, there's of a ton of them. There's like Pac-Man dying in there and a bunch of them. But anyway, maybe we'll find those for our next episode. Mario coins MP3. Play the coin. See if it works. So just click it? Yeah, yeah. You just play it. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's find a good sound and then I'll intro the segment again. That's a good one. That's perfect. All right. <laughs>
All right, it's time to move on, folks. We're going to our weekly Nintendo Switch segment. Oh, he had the wrong one, but whatever. <laughs> uh, there was a, a few things to talk about this week from the Nintendo Switch uh, side of things. Probably the biggest news, what well, came out again from Game, GameStop just loves to flap its gums. Like The biggest thing that came out is that according to the CEO of GameStop, the Nintendo Switch will have motion controls. How? Said it's part of the Joy-Con controllers. There's gyroscopes. I don't know. Those things are tiny. Like, how much is in that well, thing? Well, I mean, it, you know... Only it, so much space in a controller, unless they're talking about a separate add-on to buy... To add, that you know, could be. Because I think this thing's going to be accessorized to the, within an inch of its life. Do you think it's a good idea for Nintendo to have motion controls in the Switch? Well, if you want to continue to support like kind of the old Wii and Wii U stuff, I mean, I get backwards console, compatibility. You, you need that. it, but like in terms of going forward and continuing to use that, I don't think that's any. I, th I think it's time to leave that behind to some degree. Also, like I don't, I don't think that's going to work uh, in terms of the portability of the system because you need the sensor bar for that. So unless that, the sensor that bar is built into the tablet. But how, so what am I holding it out here while I wiggle the thing around? Like that doesn't make any. I sense. I don't know that that sensor bar did a whole hell of a lot anyway. Well, to be well, honest, well, it's the infrared tag is how it works. I mean, to, I would think that that would mean you could only use the motion control stuff while it's docked in its console mode, which you probably would only want to do anyway. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> who's uh, gonna want to use motion controls on a plane or well, at the also, airport? Like, if you got motion controls, you got to stand back a little bit, and this is a six-inch screen. You're not gonna be able to see anything. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I mean, I don't. Whatever. You know, I, there's a lot of questions I have about, like, like the, you know, there, there's a rumor that Xenoblade Chronicles X is going to be on the on the right. Switch. How in the living hell are you going to see that UI on a six-inch screen? Like, they're yeah. going to have to rework that, right? Well, I think they're also getting some outside developer to work on it. Mm -hmm. Like, they're not going to do it in house. Like, Monolith just, is moving on yeah. to something else. And well, good because they need to make something else rather than just. But you know, it'll be just like yeah, but it's just constant blade. port stream of like yeah. It's like, the, it's like the Wii U's greatest hits that you've, you've either already played if you had a Wii U or that didn't convince you to buy a Wii U in the first place. I don't really know where they're going with that. I think my point about motion control is that it is kind of... Ultimately, it's kind of become a stigma for Nintendo that people look at and they're like, oh, Nintendo's consoles or you flail your arms around and you mm. swing a tennis racket or whatever. And I feel like the public kind of voted with the Wii U that it doesn't really care about that anymore. And I feel like mm -hmm. if Nintendo were to put that feature kind of out there, or definitely not, if they put it out front and center, I think it could literally doom the Switch. Yeah, I don't think front and center. I think it'll be there if you want it. And like, it makes sense. I mean, I, I kind of expected some kind of solution for that because if you're gonna, they're going to do this Sky, Skyward Sword remaster, I figure that's not just going to be a Wii U game. Uh, you're going to have to find a way to play it on the Switch. So... Which is also addresses one of my concerns about that game, where it's like it's so tied in with the motion control and the Wii Motion Plus and all that stuff. I was worried that Skyward Sword would kind of become a lost Zelda game because at a certain point, when you move forward enough with the hardware, you're going to lose the Wii Mo the Wii Motes, right? And they won't be able to play that game anymore outside of like emulation or because Skyward Sword, Dolphin, like so. it's pretty much required. Yeah, like I don't see how you redo that game to only use buttons. It would take basically. a lot more work than Nintendo's done on his other remaster yes. project. It'd be a different game. It'd be a totally different. Yeah, game. Yeah, it would be. Probably be a better game, but it'd be a, it'd be a, but it would be a very different game, and I can't see Nintendo doing that to it. Uh, speaking of Breath of the Wild, um, June now is looking like its release date. Yeah, it's, 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 right around E3, which 
kind of makes sense because at least then you don't have to put it at E3 again because that's embarrassing. Yeah. Um, GameStop did mention that it could come out around April. Mm. Yeah. I also saw the rumors the the, the people that were saying that like the the Switch version might be first, that the Wii U version be later. What? Which is like. Imagine if they put out the Wii U version first, though, oh, which never. is what they no. should do. No, they still they shouldn't. Well, I'm, I'm just saying for, the, gotta, for gotta the fans, that, not no, financially. Screw the fans. Like these companies are not your friend. They don't. They're not here to. They're here to make money, and the way to make money off of us is to hold the Zelda for ransom. Oh, for sure. I'm not saying that they would do it or financially they should do it. I'm just saying from a fan's perspective who is a lot of people of which bought the Wii U oh, for from a, Zelda. From a fan's perspective, they should send everyone who owns a Wii U a Switch with Zelda. Yeah. Just to apologize for the stupid system they made. It's only ten million. <laughs> <laughs> I can almost do it. <laughs> they got the cash. You know? Yeah. Uh Let's sell a couple more three DSs. And then the final new Switch topic for this week is basically the price has been confirmed. Mm -hmm. A European retailer. In fact, you can go right now and you can pre-order the Switch for 200 euro. Right now. Paid. Mm -hmm. Of course, you may be sitting on that pre-order for For a while. If it doesn't come out in March and it's delayed until June to come out with Zelda or whatever, you could be sitting on that pre-order for a long time. But you can lock in... Your Switch, right now, one, and make sure you get one at mm. launch. But two, make sure you lock in that price that's kind of being bandied about right now. Which, 200 euro, 250 US. 250, kind of what we thought. Yeah. Um, it's a good price for what it's it is. It's a really good price. Like, I feel like, and based upon these retailers, like... Oh, I should have mentioned, by the way, that that Breath of the Wild date came from Target. Target.com mm-hmm. put the game up. Had 613 as the release date. That is not like a release date you just pull out of your butt. No, usually you, you they, I mean, the, the standard placeholder is 1231. Right. You know, you, and if they did not have a release date, that's what it would have said. Or it just right. would have said TBA 2017. Because the people who put these, you know, enter these things into their databases don't, un, don't know games. Games They're or just what, doing you know, their job, yeah. basically. And it said 613. Mm. So that's pretty reliable. At least I They don't think know it's a secret. Yeah. So yeah, the little creatures of nature, they don't know that they're ugly. Yeah. So, you know, that is some good news, though. The 200 euro for Switch, that puts it around 250 in the U.S. Like, it feels like the right price for that. Especially, it does. especially if you're using, uh, you know, SD cards, which I think generally we ha- most of us have larger ones. Yeah. Then we'll come, we'll come with a system sitting around that we can use. Yeah. Um, so 250 is a good price, I think. Yeah, I think, I think that it will sell its whole initial ship allotment i think it was going to do that no matter what because you're going to sell that to the nintendo fans by default yeah it's the second shipment you have to worry about really yeah that's a good point but the wii u sold out when it when it came out too i mean i think it too maybe i should rephrase that i think at 250 it turns into at least for a brief amount of time another wii thing but also turns into an impulse buy you know when we get closer to like kind of the holiday area um, 250 was the right price for the Wii U for me. I mean, granted, it came with Smash Brothers and Splatoon, but like and la- four years later, right? But it was by, <laughs> last year, but today, last year, a year ago today, Black Friday, I went into Target at two in the morning and picked up a Wii U with you know that bundle for 250, and yeah. that was the right price for me. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it came with two games, but whatever. Um, still, 250 is a low enough price for a game system that I'm like, all right, yeah, let's give it a shot. Yeah. Um, 
you know, these games, systems are like three, four hundred. That's a different thing, especially when I'm not sure if it's just going to be, you know, a box where I play Nintendo games once a quarter on it, which is exactly what the Wii U has become as well. Yeah. Um, but I'm glad I have it to play. I Tokyo mean, that's Mirage kind of what its last and, three. Consoles I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm going into the Switch, also assuming that too, which is why uh, Zelda. If Zelda's not at launch, um, I don't care because I know I'm. It's you know, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get Zelda. And maybe I'll get that Mario game if it's if it's a launch title by some miracle. I think you know that you know people keep saying Mario launch, Mario launch, Mario launch, and there's sort of this assumption that it's that 3D one that we saw five seconds of in the launch in the the, the teaser. But there's this cynical part of me that wants that says like eh, it might be the Super Mario Switch maker version. You know, I don't think so. I mean, I don't think they're going to show that new 3D Mario unless it's something that's on the way soon. On the way, sure. Soon, I don't know. I, I, it's I mean, been three years. There's been plenty the of time. The timing is right, but like I remain skeptical that they're willing to blow that stuff out at launch that hard. I mean, to, to blow your Mario and your Zelda game at launch or close to launch, like what have they got for the fall at that point? Metroid. Retro's working on something. Retro's not working on Metroid. <laughs> I guarantee you. I'm sure they hope they're not. There's... From what yeah. they said, they're pretty sick of working on that franchise, but sometimes you don't have a hey, choice. Hey, Ega, Ega volunteered to make another Metroid for them. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, I uh, I would rather have another Metroid from them than another side-scrolling Donkey Kong game. Oh, yeah. I mean, I respect Tropical Freeze, and I enjoyed it, but I would rather have a, I'd rather have a Metroid game. Eh. <laughs> I think, honestly, Donkey Kong may sell a I little think it better. Does. I, Metroid is not a sales demon yeah really. you know it's it's a it's a fan favorite with certain those of us yeah but like it's never been one of their most popular franchises yeah and they you know zelda i mean zelda mario actually mario's on its own level zelda doesn't even sell mario's mario level stuff yep so that's switch for this week i'm sure we'll be back next week with another can you play that cute? yeah he's on <laughs> it good job We'll see you next week on that one. Uh, let's move along. We're going to talk about Black Friday. So, Matt, you kind of spoiled it already. You said you didn't see anything on Black Friday. Not a lot. Really? I thought the deals were insane today, man. What were you looking at, man? Sifted. <laughs> our deals channel was rocking. I, people should use our freaking deals channel on Black Friday. I sent out a tweet today. I'm like, why are you wasting your time going all over the place? And we have one page that collects freaking every single deal. I mean, part of the problem might have been that I have most stuff already. So I'm at our deals channel right now. Mm -hmm. So here's Gears of War for $35. Here's Skyrim Special Edition for $24.99. Here's $100 off Rift. Here's $1,000 for a package with a PC and the Rift that Oculus is saying is Rift-ready. Which I have a hard time believing, but that's what they're no, saying. But don't don't get the rift. Uh, motherboards, pretty much all of them for half off. Does that rift deal include the motion controllers? I don't think it does include touch. No. Mm -mm. Yeah, still a thousand bucks for a rig and rift. Yeah. That's a good deal. Motherboards half off. Nintendo actually did a Black Friday sale. Yeah, I so saw it popped up on my Wii U. First things. party Nintendo software. Half price off? Mm -hmm. That's insane. That never happens. It's happened. Like once in a blue moon it happens. Here and there. I mean, I got, like I got uh, what, what's it, 3D, Mario, Super Mario 3D World on Wii U. They, that went on sale. Because Nintendo stuff is always full retail launch price right. on their digital thing. And at some point earlier this year or late last year, um, 
they sold that off. It was like 24 bucks, 25 bucks. Yeah. It was like half price or less, like 60% off. And I'm like, yeah, I'm buying the hell out of that. Yeah. And, I mean, even at retail, Nintendo games never dropped to that price. So every, I mean, Nintendo's learning in terms of the digital pricing. They're getting there. Um, it doesn't surprise me that they're, they're, they've got some good Black Friday things going on. Um, here's a GameStop. $225 Alienware Steam Machine. Those, those Steam Machines are now plummeting. Oh, yeah. Which... I think we could all get, get against them out that. Of here. Yeah. Fallout 4 for 10 bucks. Civilization 6 for 40 bucks. That's 20 bucks off. It just came out mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago. Um, headphones. I saw it. That was a deal for. Um, oh, what was it? It was an X, the Xbox One. It was a CD Keys. It was the Xbox One version of Assassin's Creed Unity for $1.86. Jeez. <laughs> can't beat oh that. Oh, my God. Uh, here's the GeForce GTX 1060. For 170 bucks. That's good. That's a crazy good deal. I mean, it's dude. Today was an amazing. It's not over well, see, yet. <laughs> well, see, I'm think. I was thinking about games, not hardware. Oh, much. there, there are crazy sales on games. Like if you go to the PlayStation Store or Xbox Live, there's stuff like half off, like all over the place. Um, there were some crazy bundles that came out today. You could get like an Xbox One for 250 plus, like and it was a bundle. It was like the Gears of War original bundle pack not the gears of war 4 mm-hmm. plus two games for like 250 bucks like did you buy anything today uh game wise yeah. i bought um like i said i bought infinite warfare for as a gift um i bought i bought a couple of, i bought some steam stuff over the last couple of days because they're having their autumn sale which is technically a black friday sale when you think about it so i got um what did I get on that? I got uh, actually the Secret World Ultimate Edition because I like that game. Interesting. Uh, the Ultimate Edition. That's uh, an oldie, but a goodie. Oldie, yeah. So the Ultimate Edition is all because it, it, it's got like chapter episodes. I think there's like 15 episodes. Um, it's an MMO by the guys who made uh, the Longest Journey, and uh, the first four are the core game, and then there's a fifth one you get free if you were like a founding member, and then the rest of them you have to buy, and, the, and they're expensive. Like the each episode's like it's like ten episodes. I think they're up to fifteen, and each one's like twenty bucks. Or Jeez. Something. I mean, they're, they're they're real expensive. You know, they're holy big. cow. So, but then the ultimate edition is sixty bucks for everything for all the expansion stuff. So it's a good. De- it's like a good deal already, and then um, that is on sale for seventeen. Uh, so seventeen bucks gets you the whole, all the content they've made so far, uh, and it's you know it's buy to play, so there's no subscription. Right. Um, and I like that. I mean, it's a clunky Eurojank like MMO, but yeah. like it's set in the modern world in which like all the paranormal Lovecraftian sort of conspiracies are all true, and it's like it's very story driven, and if you can get past the very clunky interface and sort of awkward pre awkward voice acting presentation here and there like it's a really compelling if you're a fan of, like the x-files or something like it's it's a cool game to to dig through do you think black friday is kind of irrelevant with cyber monday yeah i mean it all kind, of blends, it all kind of blends together it I seems mean, like all the deals were happening today already online yeah, but it doesn't really matter i mean it's like president's day you know the sale did you go happen. to a brick and mortar store today oh no me either i, would, I, would, I mean I went, to, it. I went to the grocery store i, I don't think that counts <laughs> brick and mortar but it was, you know that's even, about the only brick and mortar store i go to yeah, anymore but even last year like you know when i bought the wii u i went to target at 2 a.m i mean oh you did yeah it was like thanksgiving night and like i was up at 2 a.m i was like 
Because I was thinking about, like, oh, like when do I have to get up? to Because like, I was about to go to bed because I knew I was going to get up and go early to Target to get the deal. Right. And I looked up and I realized, and I didn't realize, like, oh, the Target in West Hollywood is open all night. It was 24. Yeah. Open, it, was, it opened, like, the evening of Thanksgiving and wasn't going to close till Friday, basically, like, Friday midnight. Right. They were open for, like, 30 hours straight or something. And, like, so I'm like, well, I can just... I just go now. Like what? So I got in the car and I and I just went two in the morning. They had them all on the shelf. Picked it up, bought the thing. Nobody was there. Walked out. Done. I got it home. There was there were like there was like dirt or something under the screen. So I actually had to return it and go back. All right. Yeah, like in the I morning. That, yeah. Um, but if that had, if I'd picked the, you know the Wii U next to it, that would have been like the greatest Black right. Friday ever. <laughs> it would have been, been like yo, I did it two in the morning. I brought it home, put it on the ground, went to sleep, got up, opened my Wii U, played. It was great. You yeah. Know? So I don't do the the camp out thing. I mean, obviously because I'm here. <laughs> it's like I, but like I don't understand the point of that. So like the Cyber Monday stuff is great because if I'm gonna shop for any kind of weird deals like that, I'm gonna do it online. It's just right. like you know, and if I don't get it, I don't get. It. What did I lose? I opened a web page. You know. Yeah. I, I tried to get one of those $99 new 3DSs just to have one. They sold out like that. But they that. were gone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but I would have you know, liked to do that, but I'm not going to put it. I thought initially that the 3DS price was... I'm not going to put a was, tent in front of a Walmart for that. You know? Yeah, see, I, I thought that the 3DS price was just, like, universal. And, like, from now on, the 3DS costs 100 bucks. Is mm. that not the case? I don't think so. I thought it was. I thought it was, like, a permanent price drop. Is but. it? It should I mean, be. it should be. Yeah, it would make sense. I don't. I don't know. I just saw. I just saw that was the thing that was starting, either starting today or only today. I don't know. Uh, but I. It got my attention. I already have a 3ds, but I know that, you know, that 3ds may not last forever. Yeah. And if they're really moving away from the handheld thing, it could that, be the last you know, one. That backwards compatible gravy train might be drying up. So I kind of like to have a backup for one day if, in case I need one. My problem with Black Friday and Cyber Monday is it's just too much. It's mm-hmm. like you have like these flash deals. It's like today we were curating, trying to get all the deals up onto the site, and it's like sometimes it, an article would come into the admin, and it's like you have 30 minutes to get this deal. And by the time we got sorted mm-hmm. through and got to it in the admin, like the deal had already expired. And then right. I, like, I went to Amazon and started looking around, and it's like you have five minutes, and there's one, oh, now there's none of these left. And it's just, it turns into this like mad scramble trying to save 50 bucks. And what I end up asking myself is like, what, what is worth this amount of money? Is it my time and my dedication to like saving mm-hmm. 50 bucks worth the 50 bucks? I don't know. That's, 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 a, that's a question every man must answer for himself. <laughs> but there were amazing bundle deals. There was this one, I don't think it was Humble Bundle. It was from some, I think a new retailer. It's like 151 games for like $20. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the autumn sale for Steam just started today. Like, the deals are through the roof, man. Like, there's really no reason to pay full price for almost anything anymore. And I'm wondering, tying back to a prior topic, if that's maybe part of the reason that, like, some of these games aren't selling as well. Because people have got burned Waiting. in the past. They're like, mm-hmm. last year I bought this game for 60 bucks, and three weeks later, my buddy bought it for mm-hmm. 30 So why am I going to be the sucker and right. buy this thing at full price? Well, like, like, well, well, and it's working. Look at Titanfall 2. Gears of War 4, half price, like... Or it's like, I saw some, I don't remember where it was, but I saw, maybe it was a tweet, but I saw some, it was basically like, I hope nobody bought Skyrim Remastered at full price. Yeah, it's already $35. Yeah. Maybe it's scaring people off. I don't know. Be interested to hear if you guys have had any, uh, if you got any amazing Black Friday deals today. Let us know in the chat. I bought a couple of toy robots, but that's... Yeah. (laughs) I didn't really, I, I mean... The nature of this show means I'm pretty caught up on video games. Yeah. 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 I bought nothing today, by the way. Not a single thing. I've not spent a penny anywhere today. So, 
Let us know if you guys got any hot deals in the chat. I'd be interested to know if any of you guys scored, or at least you thought you scored. Maybe tomorrow you may not think you did. Because that's the thing, like these deals, they can just keep going down if the, the sales aren't getting where they want them to be. So, all right, let's move along. We're going to talk, we mentioned the Game Awards a little earlier, Matt. We're going to talk about them again. The Game Awards are December 1st, which is next Thursday. Jeez. Yeah, I know, they're coming up quick. Uh, here in Los Angeles. Um, I'm invited to the Game Awards, but I don't know if I'm going to go. Um, there's so much media that comes out of the Game Awards that you kind of need to be around to mm-hmm. get the stuff into the site. Um, well, give me your invite and I'll go represent. Okay, I may actually do that. Um, I may even do maybe a, a sifted hangout where we just sit and kind of watch mm-hmm. it together. So I met, I met a couple of sifted guys, sifted subscribers uh, at the Game Awards last year. Oh, you did? Yeah, a couple of people came up and said hi. Cool. Um, I don't know if I'm going to go on like 50-50. And it's also like a show night. We have to bump the show a day or something for next week. So keep that in mind, guys. Um, so far, not much has come out. I think they said there's the Uncharted 4 story stuff. That leaked. Mm-hmm. And then there's a new Mass Effect. There's something else that was announced today. There's going to be like, there's four things that were announced, all from games that we know about already. Um, and then we obviously, you know, with the Game Awards in any show, Jeff has said he's going to put an onus on games being shown mm-hmm. in gameplay instead of trailers or whatever because of things that happened in prior shows where people were misled. I think it's ridiculous that he had to even say that. But that's and, where and that's all it. coming out of the No Man's Sky thing. It is. Sure. Yeah. I think it's ridiculous that he has to. It's not his fault. <laughs> like the right. game. T- anyway. There's no way he could know. It's insane that he had to do that. I think it's crazy. But one of the things that did come out of the Game Awards that I believe might be a legitimate controversy is that there is an award at the Game Awards for Best Fan-Made mm. Video Game. and when Best they, Fan Thing, basically. Fan Thing, yeah. right. And so when they first announced the nominees for the awards, there were two games that were on the list of nominees that have now mysteriously disappeared. And those two games were Pokemon Uranium, which is a fan-made mm. version of which one? Nothing. It's an original. Oh, it's all completely original. Yeah. Okay, which is a completely original Pokemon game that looks just as good as pretty much the Pokemon yeah. game I'm playing right now. It was removed, and then this other this other fan project, which actually is kind of a remake of an old game called AM2R. And it's basically the Game Boy... It's Metroid 2. It's Metroid 2 from the Game Boy, remade. Yeah. and Remade like with a zero-mission kind of aesthetic, and it's amazing. Yeah. It's honestly one of the best games released this year. That's so sad. As like someone who, you know, like I think I've I've brought up my lamenting that there's been four 2D Metroids in 30 years, and three of them came out before I was out of high school. Yeah. Uh, It was nice to... Because, again... um, Metroid 2 is uh, is fine, but going back to play that one on the old Game Boy, it's a tough one. Uh, look, trying to go back to play any Metroid game that doesn't have a map is uh, it's tough. an exercise in frustration. So the fact that he updated this game with, you know, the content's there, like the story's there, but the content is, you know, updated to include the advances that have been made in Super Metroid and uh, Zero Mission and Fusion. And uh, it's fantastic. It's if Nintendo was smart, they would have just hired a guy, right? Instead of removing his game from the Game Awards, right. because I full heartedly believe that Nintendo went to Jeff Keighley and said to him, 
either you remove these games or whatever we have worked out with you for the Game Awards, which I'm guessing is probably some Switch-related something. Oh, yeah. I and remember what, a couple of years ago, they were basically a sponsor of the, of the awards uh, the same year they won everything. Right. But, uh... <laughs> <clears throat> um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, but, but like they've been very involved with the, you know, like there's always every interviews, year interviews they with have Reggie some and big all that, you know, they're, thing they're part there. of it. They're part of the production, and I, I, yeah, I absolutely believe they're like get that out of there. Yep, and it's a shame, but um, and on one hand, like I feel like for whatever reason, yeah, how do you I, feel about the whole thing? Well, for whatever reason, I feel like I understand Pokemon Uranium more, although I have played Pokemon Uranium and it's not as good as pretty much any real Pokemon game. Yeah. Uh, visually, like, it's an amazing piece of work, but in terms of what you're playing, like, you know, it's the same kind of grind. It doesn't really do anything different. It's just sort of more of what you already know about. Um, but I can understand it because it's sort of, you know, you could confuse it easily with an official Nintendo product. If Either of these games. Yeah. And say, well, I wouldn't confuse the Metroid one with an official Nintendo product because it's a Metroid game, and they don't make those anymore. <laughs> It's like, oh, look at that. I mean, come on. Like, I mean, I'm joking, but I'm also not joking. Right, right, like, it's, yeah. like, it's, like, it's like this guy did a remake of a game that you don't even care about yeah. anymore. Nintendo. So, yeah, you got to protect your IP. You, gotta, you can't like, just let that thing fly around. But to, but to kind of strong arm the idea of recognizing the work, kind of shitty. Yeah. And like, so here's the thing. It's like... Like, I can see both sides of it, but in terms, you know, just as a fan of games and, you know recognizing what has come before like it would have been nice to sort of have this moment where you're like hey look how great metroid is remember that here's the thing you got to figure out what this is because if you're calling it the game awards that leads me to believe that it is about rewarding the best products games whatever in whatever category they're nominated in Mm -hmm. and so if you're going to allow a publisher to come to you and say, hey, we don't want those in the show. You're sacrificing the integrity of the show because it's no longer become like what the best fan-made whatever it is. It's the best fan-made thing that Nintendo doesn't have a problem with. Well, that that's assuming you think that that was ever there to begin with. What was ever there to begin with? The integrity of, of, of the show as an awards show because the game awards are commercial. They're not on an award show. The an award show, like what we're thinking about with the Oscars, you know, that's usually the the touchstone is like the Oscars, right. the Emmys. That that's an, a recognition of an industry recognizing outstanding performers in its own self. It's not a corporate sponsored event that like you see the first trailers of new movies at the Oscars or anything like that. It's the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences uh, recognizing talent within itself yeah, the game awards no matt you're missing it though all, there's just a roundabout way for those movies to do that it's called tv commercials right but like that's not not really the point of how the oscars started the money but the os- that's it not doesn't how, matter though no they does talking it about does, the show it does well, the, the show, show as it exists who cares sh- where it came from i cares i care where it came from because the oscars would happen whether they were televised or not and the game awards wouldn't i don't know i do i guarantee you the oscars ex- the oscars are televised Primarily because it is a gathering of all these people, all these celebrities that everybody wants to see. It's, it's, it's televised for it's, money. That's it's why it's televised. televised. Right, but the money comes from the fact that all these people are in the same place and everyone wants to see celebrities and the celebrity culture and tabloid culture and all that. Like that kind of all 
collides in this one location for this one night. People want to watch the Game Awards. It's all the developers, all the hot games. People want to watch the Game Awards to see the reveals. And the reveals are there because of corporate synergy. It's not the same thing. The closest thing to the Oscars we have in the, in the video game industry is something like the, the Game the Developers Dice Choice Awards. Awards or the Dice Awards, where an industry recognizes talent within itself. The Game Awards are a media this production. This has been billed as the Oscars of video games. Right, but way. that's disingenuous. It's a commercial. It's a marketing strategy. And like, I don't begrudge them that because you, we get a lot of cool reveals in December when nothing else happens. You know, It's a good counterpoint to But this is why I'm saying it needs to decide what it is. is it... I think it's, it has decided what it is. It's just, it, it uses the trappings of an award show as an excuse for its commercial media. Yeah. Like, that's all it is. Well, I think, I think the hope was that when Jeff broke away from doing the VGAs with Spike, and he said this, you know, we want to make the award show a show that, that it represents what people hated about the VGAs. And so to me, like, I came into the Game Awards with a different perspective from what we had done, and I'd worked on the VGAs for seven years or something like that, so I know what that's all about, and so I know what the exact opposite of mm. the VGAs is, and I know Jeff knows too, because he worked on the VGAs extensively, far more than I even did. So for him to say, this is the anti-VGAs, and this is me doing things my way, to me that, I mean, it's called the Game Awards. It's not called, like, the coolest damn video of game event of 2016. It's like, it's called The Game Awards. And so, for me, it does bother me that a show that's called The Game Awards is allowing someone to jimmy with the nominees and the winners. Like, and I get it. Jeff was put in a position where, I'm guessing, I don't know this for a fact, so don't quote me on this. This is me guessing what happened, having worked on these award shows for years. Nintendo came to them and said, look, you got to take them out. If you don't, we're well, going to pull our media. There? And then Jeff has to sit there and say, okay, well, you know, the integrity of the show versus not having that new Zelda demo in the show. That's a tough call. Is it? You don't think? No, not for one second. The Game Awards are about reveals and new trailers and game announcements. They're not about being awards. But that's what I'm saying. If you... Final Fantasy should be the last fantasy, but there's 15 of them. Like, what, what's called doesn't matter. You call it the Game Awards to get people in there and to kind of, like, see who's going to win this contest because everybody likes to argue over the, you know, the, the, the rankings at the end of the year. But the reason the show exists is to show these new things, these reveals. Like, that's what gets people in the seats. Not in the seats, but eyeballs on the thing. Everybody wants to see the new stuff. Like, if it was, like, a Game Awards show that was focusing on the awards, on, award, on the recognition of the great achievements of the year, they would not be showing trailers of new games. They'd be no, showing I... highlights of the games they were giving awards to, which show how great they are. No, I get why people watch the show. I'm just telling you what Jeff said this show was supposed to be, and it's not turned out to be that it's honestly gone back to be other than having a little bit more highbrow entertainment as far as music artists and things like that it's kind of just like the vgas it got rid of the mountain dew lose your mind award and all those kind of corny sponsored awards that they had we lost the doritos and we gained imagine dragons like what are you gonna yeah (laughs) what are you gonna do i'm just a little disappointed to see this happen um I, I, mean, I understand I mean, the is, position he was put in. It's I mean, a it tough is position. disappointing, but like, are you surprised by that? Yeah. I really? know Jeff. Yeah, I believe Jeff has integrity, and I believe the things that the VGAs had to do to stay on the air was not something that he was in support of. And so, 
And you could hear it from himself when mm-hmm. he started the Game Awards. That was something that he verbalized to people, that he did not want this new award show to, one, have the hangover of the VGAs, and he wanted to completely change it and make it something mm-hmm. that the people who actually care about games will want to watch. Right, and I believe that. And I, I, you know, I believe he does have integrity uh, on that level, and that's what he wants out of this show. But when it comes down to it, uh, what's going to get more eyeballs on this thing, which is how these things survive now, and survival is a really tough question in this, this world yeah. of media... Uh, you want your Switch reveal, or you want to recognize the fan remake of Metroid 2? Yeah. No, I get it. And I mean, that's I not... Right that, and when it comes down to someone who has to keep this show going and keep people watching it and keep it alive for another year, that's not a decision. Yeah. You go with the Switch. Then you've made your bed. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. You said at that point, this show isn't about... But that's the, that's the nature. I mean, it's just like the MTV Movie Awards or whatever. It's like, it's, you know, that's the nature of having an award show that is functioning on a corporate sponsorship level and not an independent entity that represents the... the you know, the Academy <clears throat> of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences is not a commercial entity. The it's... problem is Jeff should crowdfund the show. Yeah. If he did that, he could tell Nintendo to buzz off. Sure. Or I, you know, I think the industry should focus more on something like the Dice Awards, where that I mean that is the industry, the people who make these things, recognizing the best among them. But, to your, is, but your, to your point, nobody would watch. You might. <laughs> the audience for the Dice Awards versus what Jeff is doing, I'm guessing, would oh, be fifteen percent. Two different things. But what I'm saying is. Uh, yeah, the Oscars are what they are because movie stars are awesome and exciting and cool, and game developers are not. You know, it's, yeah. it's you know, and and there's there's a hierarchy of those award show too too. I mean, the, the Oscars are the hot one. The Emmys are a little below that. The Grammys are a little below that. Nobody watches. The, else no, nobody watches. The, <laughs> the nobody watches the Tonys because yeah. you know the rest don't. The matter. Tonys exist so you can have the EGOT. You know, yeah. the, win all four major right, awards, right. even though everyone's like, wait, what's the fourth one? Yeah. Oh, the stage one. Okay, oh, yeah, yeah, Tony's. Nobody cares Tony about Randall? That. Like, I don't know. <laughs> you know? Um, but it's like, you know, that's, everybody struggles with this idea that, like, games don't have an awards show that, like, matches what, you know, what these other artistic mediums have. And the reason is um, our awards shows come out of a, of a more commercialized space rather than sort of evolving out of an entity that exists to recognize artistic achievement. And Jeff, I think, is trying for something like that, but the realities of survival in multimedia, especially in the gaming space, is you got to have something nobody else has. And, you know, you're going to have to make some compromises for that when it comes down to it, especially when you're dealing with people that like to have control over their brands. I mean, the solution to this really was don't put that fan category in there to begin with. Because I could have told you right off the bat that Nintendo was going to not be cool with that. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And it's too, you know... See, the problem is you can put the category in, but you don't know what the nominees are going to be until the journalists give them to you. Yeah, but I... You but know, I could have told them. that at least the Metroid and usually thing. Jeff is savvy enough to pick up on stuff like that and kind of head it off at the pass and just cut that well, category well, before he, it even happens. Yeah, but also he has a really good relationship with Nintendo that spans years and years, and I, you know, maybe he thought he could talk them into it. And, you know... <laughs> He knew he couldn't do that. You can't do that. <laughs> That's not going to happen. I guarantee you knew he could do that. Or maybe he's that. like, maybe they just won't notice. It's like, you know, yeah. But it's like, you know... Me, you know, I can, I can. This see is him. where getting everybody involved, the whole YouTube thing, goes wrong. Yeah, because you can see Jeff's new show. He's like having YouTubers come on and just sit there and play games for like ten minutes before the show starts, and like you can see him trying to transform from this old media guy into this new media guy. And I'm mm-hmm. sure this was all part of that. Is like let's get the people who are making games involved, which is great, but it ultimately backfired. 
unfortunately. Yeah. Right. I, I like the I like the attempt. Yeah. Because that those the you know, Pokemon Uranium I'm lukewarm on, but like that Metroid game deserves as much re- recognition as you can get, especially because it was pulled after 24 hours. Yep. All right, let's move on. It's time for our Turkey Awards. Something that we did on GT on Invisible Walls for many years has made it its way over to Game Face. It's basically our one chance of the year to really let some of these publishers have it for stuff that we are not getting behind and we do not believe in. Uh, Matt and I are both going to pick a runner-up and then a winner for each of our Turkey Awards. Matt, what is your runner-up? My runner-up is Mafia 3. Mafia 3. Which apparently sold just fine. <laughs> yes, it but, did. Um, Four to five million copies right just, out of the gate. Just, um, like, I don't know what happened here. Like, I feel like there was a lot of, maybe, I, mean, I think think this project maybe changed hands a couple times behind the scenes. Um, but it's just, uh, it's side quest filler as primary game content. And I haven't really gone back to it since we talked about it on the show. I just don't see the point. Even though like the story is very strong and presentationally it's very strong in terms of cinematics and stuff, um, but like I, the problem is I have to play it <laughs> to see it, and like <laughs> in the end I just sort of watched the cutscenes on YouTube because uh, it's just not <laughs> worth my time to grind through all this side mission stuff that's not side mission stuff because you have to do it. Yeah. Like in any other game, the meat of this game would be a side quest, and I don't mean that in a positive way. Right. <laughs> you know, like, um, and it's just unfortunate because this game, you know, the game ha- tackles some tough subject matter and I think it does it pretty damn well. Yeah, I mean, shouldn't it just deserve to be off your turkey list just for that? No, because like, you always say, like, like you always say, gameplay is paramount. Yeah. And the gameplay in this doesn't work. I yeah, mean, it's like, pretty broken. You know, yeah. it, would be a pr- it would be a pretty good CG movie, but like, you know, I'm not... Would it even I'm, be a pretty good CG movie, really? Outside of the context of being a video game? Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. But, like, I mean, I'm not saying it could stand up against Pixar or whatever, right. but, like, you know, this is a very interesting treatment of race in a medium that doesn't have very nuanced uh, portrayals of any kind of social matter, yeah. for the most part. Um, unless you're talking about something like That Dragon Cancer. But, like, you know, and so I think it deserves to be seen, but at the same time, I wouldn't, like, tell anyone to play it. Yeah. i just tell them to watch it. Um... I just wish it was better, and like you know, some of that's col- some of it's coloring my my choice of it as like, inter- if you're thinking about games that I didn't enjoy, there were a lot of games I didn't enjoy this year, and several some of them I probably didn't enjoy more than this, or yeah. enjoyed less than this. Right. But this one, I think, hurt the most because it really it, could it have had some problems. Could it could have been better? It should have been better, and like it's not like it didn't have enough templates to follow to be better. I have a feeling this game, three or four years from now, might be looked at the same way that uh, Spec Ops The Line is now. Mm. It's one of those games that had issues, but pushed sort of the narrative forward a little mm. bit on what can be and cannot be done in video games. Yeah. It's certainly not in any... It's not at all without merit. It's got a lot of merit, in term, but it's just it doesn't really have merit in the places you play. Where it matters. Yeah, you know, like, it, it's... The places it excels aren't going to help you feel any better about what you have to play when the game right. starts. You know? Fair enough. My runner-up is... VR. Mm. You surprised by that pick at all? No. No? It keeps making you throw up. <laughs> yeah. I, actually have, I actually have not thrown up yet. I have gotten really close. I wished I would throw, had thrown up. 
Look, any game that would make me nauseous over and over again would get my award for that, too. Or at least a runner-up for that. But it's not... Actually, the reason it's uh, it's my runner-up is not because it makes me nauseous at all. It's mm. the fact that we've had a full year of virtual reality, and there is not a single damn killer app for virtual reality still. You're not wrong. Still. Sony sat back and watched the Vive and the Oculus limp out of the gate, again without a killer app, and did nothing to remedy the situation to make sure that its head-mounted display would have a killer app. You know, I've, I don't want to say I completely regret buying PlayStation VR, but I kind of do at this point, because it really does just kind of sit there now. Mm. Like, the first three well, weeks I played the living crap out of it, I played Robinson until I was barfed. <laughs> and I haven't touched it since. I did purchase the other day this game called Holo Ball, which is basically mm. just racquetball. Because what I'm starting to realize is that, like, the more complex they try to make VR games... What was that game, by the way? Golem? Golem. Yeah, what the hell is up with that? I don't know. But what I've started to realize with VR is it it seems like the more complicated and more like a traditional video game they try to make VR games, the less I enjoy them. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like with the technology where it is right now, it needs to be really a really simple concept. It's kind of like... Arcade games, sort of. It's kind of like the first video game was Pong. Right. Like, you need to find, like, these very simple concepts that the hardware can keep up with so that mm. nobody gets sick. Well, that's, why I, that's like why I said one of the most compelling things in on the Vive was uh, in the lab, you have that little shooter thing where you pick, yeah. up the, you pick up the ship and move it around and shoot it like that. And it's like you've played bullet hell shooters a million times before, but you've never played it like this. So, right. like you're right, you should. They should. You know, more of these games need to go back to the source, back to the old days, back to the back to basics. Figure out, you know, take things that we've played since you know since 1979, but reinvent them for VR, and you might find something that work. You know, you have to reinvent the language of because like. I think too many people, even developers, I think, are looking at this as a different display device and not a different medium. It is a different medium. Yeah. I mean, look at the Wii with motion controls. Yeah. What was the big hit for the Wii? It bowling. Bowling and Pong. I mean, Pong. <laughs> yeah. Tennis is Pong. And well, so- like, you know, like I'm, in VR, one of the most convincing games I've played on either headset is pool. Yeah. And the reason I say it's convincing is because I keep trying to lean on the table it's not there yeah, and I fall over. I've like, seen people do that. It's, yeah. it's, I mean, your body just accepts it and yeah. you just sort of go to lean on it and there's nothing there. And I'm like, that is a, a mark of a successful experience. And I don't blame Sony as much as I blame Oculus and Valve. Because yeah. they've been around... First of all, they went through the launch. They knew they had no killer apps. And now these things have been out for almost a year and there is still... Not this one game Nothing that you really. can point to and say, everybody needs to play that. There's not one of them yet. Like, so VR they're, gets they're my all, turkey. They're all games that you're like, if you have a headset, you should play this. Right. But none of them are like, you have to get a headset, headset to, to play, play this. this. Exactly. And uh, and I think, you know... Maybe I, it should have been my winner instead of runner-up. I, I do think, uh, you know, I think with the Vive and the PSVR, I feel like I have tried to make it clear this year on this show that I don't really recommend people run out and buy it. Yet. Yeah. You know, like, I enjoy it, and I have it, and I did it, but if you don't have ridiculous amounts of disposable income and or a tax write-off coming, yeah. um, I don't think it's a smart buy yet. I don't think it's, I don't think it's proven itself quite yet. I, honestly, I regret a little bit how enthusiastic I was after I first got PlayStation VR. Mm-hmm. 
And I hope I didn't convince somebody to buy it, and now they're pissed off at me. I don't. If I did, I'm sorry. I don't think you were spend four hundred dollars on this. Even no, I mean I wasn't over to. the moon about it. No, but, but I was... I, even your enthusiasm level, I don't think would have convinced me if I was a skeptic that I should turn around and throw four hundred bucks at the thing. And I mean, look, even if you are discouraged with it right now, and you're like, oh man, I spent all this money on this, I'm not getting much use out of it. There are there. I think it'll. Ace all... Combat is coming. <laughs> no, Resident <laughs> Evil Seven is coming. Like. Hey. I think that game's going to freak people out. One way or the other, you're going to be able to blow up shit in a <laughs> jet or kill hillbillies in a shack. So, <laughs> And that's what we really want out of our video games. Yep. All right, what's your winner? What's your, your turkey award for 2016, my Matt? Winner for, my turkey award for 2016 goes to Lazy Remasters. Hey! Um, that's an easy target. Which uh, I don't... I guess it's like, I, as someone who likes the idea of carrying forward these games through history, you know, so we don't lose them, especially PS3 stuff, which is never going to be properly emulated. Like, and, and I'm mainly looking at um, Batman, Ar- the Arkham Collection and the Ezio Collection from the Assassin's Creed stuff that came out, which all had, like, basically, like, in places these games look worse than the originals. Yeah. And, or run worse in, in places. And we had, you know, the Polygon had their weird face thing on the Xbox One version of the Ezio thing. Uh, you know, Batman was basically just dumped into Unreal 4 without any attention paid to preserving the effects and the shaders and the color timing. Um, it's just... That's the thing I've noticed about both these games. Nothing really looks different except for the colors. Yeah. And in some cases, the remasters look more washed out yeah. than the older ones. Yep, absolutely. It's and, really mind-boggling. And it's it's just, you know, it's a quick and... Endur- as opposed to, like, preservation, because I'm very about... As a film fan, I'm very much about preservation yeah. and making sure these things still exist. And even, you know, I know like an eight-year-old doesn't want to play Karataka. You know, like it's like the yeah. games don't age as well as movies anyway, but they should still be there. Yeah. They should still, you know, as much as we can, we should preserve these things because so many of them have already fallen through the cracks. And I know no one's ever going to, you know, it's not like all the copies of Arkham City are ever going to vanish before you know, without civilization vanishing first. Well, the but things like, to play them on. The things might. to play them on. My eventually all the 360s and all you know, eventually you know. Yeah, they're all gonna break. I mean, PCs, I guess, will be able to handle them. But like, it would be nice to have these things, you know, be reliable. You know, if I realize not everybody can be Blue Point, which I think they, I think they make the best remasters. They're very conscientious yeah. people uh, in terms of you know, and so that's why Sony gets them to do all of their remasters because they always do a good job. Yeah, but like. I would. I just wish the people who make these remasters, or the people who fund the people who, because it's probably more of a they're not paying these people, giving these people enough of a budget to make the remasters what they need to be. I, I think it's more about time. Yeah, I think they're just not giving them the time yeah. to make them good. And enough. but again, it's like you know, it's, it's the triangle. Uh, you can you know, good, cheap, or fast. Right. Pick two. <laughs> and I think they're doing them cheap and fast, and we're yeah. not getting good. Yeah, for sure. Um, and when you see a great remaster, like the you know the God of War collection, or like, like some of those are amazing. Like that's yeah. that's great that those can be brought forward like. But that. they're or, the exception, not. They the are rule. the exception, but I think they should be the rule. No, I agree. Um, and there's no real reason not, especially if you have respect for your own damn content. Yep. You know, make sure these things are vetted. Make sure that you know. Like, they don't, though. Of course they don't. I feel like a lot of these publishers just look at video games as just, like, disposable media that's here one day. Somewhat, but even you, you know, Ubisoft makes all these grand pronouncements about how things ought to be. Yeah. Capital O-T-B. Yeah. And, like, then they put out this Ezio thing that is just, like, it looks ridiculous. Like, it does, it's, yeah. it's And, like, even to the point that, like, 
upgrading the visuals doesn't matter if like all of a sudden you can totally tell that all the backgrounds are 2D planes yeah. you know like in all the cutscenes in Assassin's Creed 2 on the so remaster bad. it's just yeah. you can tell those buildings are just cardboard, cardboard standees basically yeah. And it's just like have some pride in that. It's like shit. a set for a high school play. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and like you know, and part of it is the jump to HD. You know, the HD era is like you, you know, it's, it's like the jump to HD in film and television. It's like all of a sudden you can see everybody's makeup. You know, like you yeah. had to kind of reinvent how you present these things. And it's it's a sh- and and meantime, in the meantime, there's a user mod on PC for Assassin's Creed One that brings all the textures and stuff up to the quality right. of something from like Unity or Syndicate, and it looks amazing. Yeah, and it's like. It's like if you Well how does one person do this? Right. Because they care. It's the Skyrim remaster. It's lazy. Yeah. But what makes the Skyrim remaster worth it? The mods. Right. And Bethesda knew that, didn't right. they? Yeah. Because they enable you know, I mean Sony had to gave them the problem on that. But still, like if you're playing that on Xbox One, you're getting a really good experience. And it's not really because of what came in the box, it's because of what people yeah. are doing with I it. I mean, even if you if you played it before when it came out for a hundred hours, right. there's more reason to play it now. Right. Like what's the one of the most exciting things that happened this week? Uh, not yet, but it will be. Saints Row 4 getting opened up for yeah, mods. That's huge. Yeah. That's crazy. That that, that, that toy what box. What is that gonna look uh, like? You know? Imagine. Like that's the crazy. exciting stuff. So yep. You know, I love I love the I love the idea of remasters. I you know, I will buy remasters of my favorite titles. You know, if you if you put out a PS4 remaster of Shadow of the Colossus, I'll buy that too. You know, yeah. I, I'll just keep going through the through the generations. <laughs> um, but not if they keep. You know, Sony's been very good about it, but not if they keep doing this thing where they think they can just shove shove the you know shove these things on a disc with like a slight visual upgrade that runs worse in some cases than the original and throw it out there. I don't think that's okay. Yeah. And one of the most frustrating things for me this year has been seeing these games come out and like sometimes I'll have them on PC you know, like the the Batman games I have on PC and I think those are just as good if not better than the than the remaster versions. But like I, I got friends that never played those and I'd love to be able to get them that for Christmas or recommend that like yeah, go go pick that up and play Arkham City. It's amazing, but I can't tell them that because it's I think it's an inferior experience, and that should—that shouldn't be something we have to worry about. No, nope, you're absolutely right. All right, it's time for me to announce my winner of my 2016 Turkey Award, and it is Hello Games. Hello, not No Man's Sky. Hello Games. Well, no, it's, you're right. It's, it's Hello Games. Isn't mm-hmm. it? I'm glad you brought that up because it's not No Man's Sky because. Look, I realize he said some things in some interviews here and there that mm. ultimately haven't happened yet. Although today, yeah, they announced the base buildings coming. But my issue is with Hello Games because of how they have handled this entire situation. Also, what what, are they, what does it call the update? The foundation update, right? F you. I yeah. see what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's also it's like no. That's almost like an oxymoron. The foundation update. The foundation right. should have been there from the frickin' beginning. Mm-hmm. You don't get the foundation. Like, when you build a house, you start with the foundation. You don't build the foundation later. Like They're, they're updating the foundation. Yeah. The, what? So, look, I don't have a problem with No Man's Sky. I don't think it's an amazing game. I had some fun with it. I think, you know, for a lot of people, it was a disappointing game. Maybe he said a couple things here and there that he shouldn't have, or maybe he hinted at some stuff that never made it into the game. But I think most the de- thing, look, the, I think most developers are guilty of that. Right. But that the lot. bottom line is how they handled it after the crap hit the fan was pretty much the worst possible way. He acted like someone who has never seen the internet before, <laughs> has never talked to a gamer before, 
has never been on Twitter before, has never been on any social media platform before. You can't just turtle and run away from this. You can't take what amounts to ultimately like a hundred million dollars and just run. You can't, you can't do that in the modern age. And this is a contract that you sign with the universe. When you decide to make pop culture content of any kind, us sitting here right now, streaming on Twitch, archiving a show on Sifted, when you do that and you make that contract with yourself and with others, you know that you're going to have to answer to the people that you are speaking to. And he knew this. He knew that you can't just release a game. You can't go on like late night talk shows and be the bell of the ball at E3 press conferences and go hobnob with celebrities and then deliver a product that disappoints tons of people and just go AWOL. You can't do it. Like, But he did it. He did do it. But look at what happened. Like, you think people are going to buy their games now? Like, some will. The people who like No Man's Sky will. But the people who feel burned by No Man's Sky, they're never going to buy another one of his products. And if he had just stood up and said, shit, like, this, all this stuff was supposed to be in here. You know, I don't want to go into the boring details, but the bottom line is, like, we were over, but, like, just tell us what, tell people what happened. Like, people are shockingly understanding. Like, even the stuff that happened with Pac, when all the Nintendo people freaked out when he made that little comment about Awada. This week's episode goes up on YouTube where he apologizes and everybody's like, apology accepted. Totally cool. You're cool with me now, Pac. Like, literally? Yeah, but they didn't pay $60 to hear him say that thing about Iwata. What do you mean? I mean that no, Pactor didn't cost anybody any money. Right, but I'm just saying people in general are forgiving by nature. People don't want to hold grudges. People want to remain friends with or in close ally with something that resonated with them before. Like, they want to find a reason to go back. And... For him to just, not just him, I don't want to just single him out, because Hello Games is a whole team. Yeah, but, but for, I don't think the rest of the team has a decision to make. You're about probably this right, but I'm just trying it's to, his company. I'm trying to provide the benefit of the doubt here. For him and the team to just disappear off the face of the earth for months and just ignore everything that's going on around, it's like the child who, like, when they're getting scolded, they put their fingers in their ears and go, nah, 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 nah. So it's like, dude, you can't do that. You're an adult. Like, well, except he apparently didn't do that. They're making an update for it. So I, I don't think there was a winning move here. There was a winning move. You addressed the problems with... I the... don't agree with Look, that. Look, Matt, let me have... Let me do my turkey award, damn it. You can't... I let you have yours. Now I have mine. This is my platform to talk about what pissed me off this year. And this pissed me off. He is wrong. It's absolutely wrong. For you to take all, it's like, imagine, like, Sifted launches, and all these people, like, subscribe, and the site isn't anything like what I told people it was going to be. And then people are all pissed off, and they're like, and I just disappear, and you never see me again. Dude, that's not okay. That's not okay for anyone to do in any industry, particularly an industry, like I said, where you signed that contract beforehand, knowing that when you put that piece of media out there, you're going to have to answer for it. And to just run away and hide like a kid, like, it's wrong. It's so messed up, and, like, I don't even care about the game. The game, to me, is irrelevant. What do you think he was thinking? <clears throat> he was scared. He didn't want to deal with it. He was, it's avoidance. He was running away. And you say, you were going to say, oh, well, they went and worked on the game? That's sure. 
didn't have five minutes to type up something and like put it out. Like, I think I think that's I don't remember who it was from Sony who who took, made that comment about that. Where it's just like they made some bad PR choices and they probably could use someone who's a professional at that. Shohei was that Shohei? Yeah, that said that? yeah. Probably true. Maybe maybe the sixteenth member of the team should be a PR person. But he look, he knew it, man. Like he knew running away was the last thing he should do. He found up the he thought that was the easiest way out, the path of least resistance. He's like, I'll go away, all the anger will die down, and then I'll come back, and everything will be okay. Well, that and, uh, clearly was wrong, right? Uh, because just the announcement. Well, I mean, sort of. Also, when they did that thing that happened a couple weeks ago, where all of a sudden. They got hacked, right. or what? I don't. I mean, or there was a. Dis, or first they said it was a disgruntled employee who got a hold of the Twitter account, and right. then they said they got hacked. Right. Which we'll probably never know the story. Well, I think that. we do know. I think that it sounds like <laughs> maybe we know the, it was a bunch of garbage. Yeah. Well, I think it sounds like maybe the first one might have been more true than the second story. Right. Um, this one, I I suspect he was thinking like, oh well, we'll just like when, the next time we say anything, we'll have the update ready to go, and everything will be. Awesome, because otherwise, if we just say we're, I think they thought they like if we saw if we say we're sorry, or whatever, and we don't have anything to show for it to fix it. People just say we're all talk and we're blowing. Saying you're sorry goes a long freaking way, man. You may not think because the problem Somewhat. is on the, on the internet. There's so many people that are just jerks, but they are but, really the minority. There are thousands of people there who are willing to accept your apology as long as they feel like it's heartfelt. And I like, think so, but now like, it's too late. Like. He's Have not you, sorry. People know he's not sorry because you don't run away for months at a time and then come back and be like, oh, I'm sorry. No, you're only sorry because people are pissed off at you. You aren't really sorry for what you did. Like, that's well, the way I people mean, it's, look it's at it. It's kind of, uh, you know, directly proportional how many death threats you're getting in a day. Um, like, my, my curiosity on this is, like, the hatred for this has lasted so long. It's ridiculous. And like, it's, look, as far as, like, people being pissed off at him over the game, like, mm-hmm. they're insane. Like, I don't, I don't know seen... how a game that isn't a sequel has built up a crazy fanboy base like that game did. Like, literally, like, he got them hook, line, and sinker, and maybe that's the problem. They just fell too hard for it, but you should never act this way over a game not being as good as you thought it was going to be. Or over mm-hmm. a feature, a feature or two, not making it into the final. Well, I mean, game. I, I think part the of the features it... people are complaining about would not fundamentally make the game no. that much better than it is. Well, the only thing, I mean, and that's the the frustrating thing about it, both in terms of someone who hates it and someone who likes it. I think is that really most of what he said is technically in there, but most of a lot of it's half baked. Right. A lot of it is only on a very, you know, it's like he said you can grief other players, but everyone's like, well, there's no multiplayer, so how can that possibly? Because, well, I griefed a guy by, like, finding a, a planet he'd named. He didn't name the other planets in the system. So every other planet in the system I named was an insult to him. Right. Right? So if he ever looks at that system again, he's going to see all that. So technically, and, like, when you see him answer this question, he's like, yeah, you can grief people. So he's, being, he's thinking of something like that, but people are not, and reasonably, are not taking him saying that yeah. as that kind of meta thing. They're taking it as, like, yeah, you're going to be able to see another person. And the only thing that really shocked me about this game was that the multiplayer wasn't in it. At all. Yeah. Like, it wasn't that the code wasn't working. It wasn't that something wasn't there properly. It wasn't that, you know, some, but, but some the code. the problem was the But it wasn't there. He never told people. It's like. Will he ever? When those two people on the stream I tried, went to the same place, and they're like, oh, yeah. you're not there. And he's like, amazing. Two people found each other and never addressed it. Yeah. yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Do you think about. he'll ever like, do that, though? You can't go. Yeah, someday he will. Someday he'll definitely come clean about all of it. He'll get old and he'll realize how stupid he was <laughs> right now. Like. 
like that's an why, 80 year old Sean Murray in like 2055 or like whatever like even clean. when he gets to like amazing. 50 or 60 and he's like if screw it like yeah like mm-hmm. I totally screwed up I never should have ran away I don't know to me this what? was like one of the most obvious turkey awards I've ever given out in all my so, years of doing it Okay, so we don't know what's going to happen with the, when the new update comes out and whatever people if people give it another chance if you know because like and like people are talking about like you know how low the player base is right I'm like look man I played that game for 150 hours and I haven't played it since September so yeah. it's like you know yeah even people who loved it are not playing it anymore because what are you going to do at that point you know, I've seen how many how many how many red and green planets can I look at right. right. So we don't know if people are going to give it another chance, come back to it or whatever. You know, I saw some people saying, like, yeah, I didn't buy it, but I'll buy it for 20 bucks to try this new update or whatever. It's like, yeah, I don't know how many people those are. Maybe there's a couple dozen of them. I don't know. Like, what if you're Sean Murray, uh, maybe taking aside from, you know, whatever, whatever silence versus not, or, whatever, or if you're Hello Games, what do you do now? Do you try to make it, even try to make another game? Or do you dissolve and, like to the winds and just say this didn't work. Oh, and... I would definitely make another game. Cuz no matter what, when mm-hmm. you debut that game, so <laughs> many people are going to watch that trailer, yeah, okay, man. Okay, yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, you cannot right. pay for that kind of publicity. For that kind of publicity and interest. Like you go for it, but you just you have to fix it. You got to actually deliver this. You got to deliver what you say and you got to be careful about what you say. Like you can't talk about like an indie game that's being built by like 10 or 11 people that's two years away and say yeah this crazy feature is gonna be in the game like you just can't do that like you need to understand your team's capabilities and that projects are huge and at the end of the day when it's coming to release time you gotta start chopping stuff and like you just don't know what you're gonna chop the other thing you've made is two joe danger games right and that's all he had to say was like all he had to say was like look like we'd only made a couple joe danger games and like we wanted to give you guys all this, and we just we couldn't do it. Right. Like, and it's like and it's I, honesty, I think it's like, like I said at the time. I'm like, if this, if I'd played this, and you told me this was an alpha of No Man's Sky that was like a year out from release, I'd be like, this is really good. Like, no, really, this is going to be super great. positive. Yeah. Like, you know, there's a lot of work to do, but like the the bones are here. Yeah. And all we got was we got you know even as someone who enjoyed the base gameplay, the the loop, you know, press whatever that dopamine button was, right. right? All we got was a skeleton. Yeah. And there is the possibility of building some meat on this thing. And, you know, two or two years out, maybe it could be like a good game. But, like, you if know, he, had he done might, what he might I have said, burned all that already. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, if he just come out and been like, oh, crap, man, this is turning into a disaster. Like, thank you guys for buying it, first of all. Mm-hmm. Thank you so freaking much for buying this. We know it fell short. Please stick with us because... This game isn't done. Like, we wanted to get it to where it's supposed to be, but now he's burned those bridges. People won't even come back now. They'll just be like, like... And one of the... Well, I, you know, the people that already got their refunds won't come back. I think there's a substantial audience that will give it another shot. Yeah, I mean, um, I will. Will it cause it... Will that? But mean, I didn't hate it, the game. Right, like, but will that translate into, like, new sales? Probably not. Mm, probably not. I mean, but at this they, point, placating... It's cheap, the, but, like... All the millions of people that bought your game is good enough. Right. You don't need new sales. Like, you've made your money. And the worst part Just is... make the, your customers happy now. I think the worst part about the, the long silence was that, like, you could kind of understand it in, like, a corporate situation where, like, the developer of a game they made for a major publisher was, like, you know, they just can't talk. You know, you can't right. talk. The publisher handles that. Hello Games is not restricted by anything no. like that. The, you know, the buck begin, the buck stops and begins with Sean Murray on it was, this. It, I hate to say this, but it was cowardice. 
it was cowardice. He was a coward. He was afraid. He went and turtled and I can't, went away. I can't really blame someone for turtling from the full force fury of the internet when that game came out and failed. But... I don't know. St- but I've had the internet after me many, many times. I don't times. think you've had the internet after you the way Sean Murray had the internet after him. No, not at that force, but like, it's been pretty intense, Like dude. the death like, threats against the families and the people I mean, taking pictures of their offices and shit like that. I mean, that's crazy. I but mean, like, I've but had the, stuff like that happen. I've had people go after, like, my relatives on social media. Like, the question you ask yourself that, is, is 100 people acting crazy better than 500 people acting crazy? You have one person acting crazy. That's scary as shit. Yeah, dude. but and I, think, I never ran. But I think, but I, I think the the high profile level of this is a, on a different level than anything you and I have ever dealt with, and especially directly because we've never dealt, dealt with stuff on that like that in the social media world where they have much more direct access to you. And oh, I have dealt with it on social media. For sure. But, like, on the level of what Sean Murray just went through on that? Like, it's I don't, like I said. I is there a difference with... between 100 people being a maniac towards you or 500? Because after a while, you just tune it all out. And you, have to, and you put your statement out and you say, this is what I believe, this is what happened, and that's it. Well, you but can. he never did that. You can. I Anybody can. can. Sean Murray might be a delicate flower. We don't oh. know. Well, whatever. But what I'm saying Either is... Either he's a coward or he's... Weak. But what I'm saying One or the is, other. Pick I, your poison. I think, uh, well, you're, you're throwing a lot of victims under a bus on that in the social media realm, then. I don't agree with that at all. Why? Because not everyone who has to shut down from social media when they're a victim of, of targeted attacks like that is a coward. And I guess that's a matter of perspective. This particular, this particular situation, yeah, you got a point. But, like, sometimes, because you know, he's got a responsibility as the head of that company. Right. To stand up and do it. And I understand going running silent. I'm not for, talking about girls getting like harassed by creepy dudes on social I'm media. About, I'm like, talking I, about prominent people who work at companies who have to answer for poor work or poor decisions they made. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about I, just anybody on social media. But I think even no matter who you are, the first time that happens, you're going to get, you know, taken aback. And this I, I understand. The first time, he, but I understand. He lived in this ecosystem. Yeah, but like, I'm going to try it for the fourth time to finish my sentence. Uh, He's been. I can see being taken aback and running silent for a while, but like while you try to desperately get these patches out, you know. The la- but the last patch was September 9th. Like yeah. maybe around October 9th, you could have had a sit down with Keeley or something to kind of tell your side of the story. You could have just wrote. And I know Jeff tried to do that. Yeah. Like there's many avenues. There's, a things he there's many done. safe avenues for him to have taken after some of the heat blew over. And before they've got this major patch ready, that they, he could have been like, okay, let's sort of start it's talking about months. clear the air. It's been months. It's two months. Yeah. Over two, no, two and a half months since the last, not even him. He stopped tweeting on like August 9th or something. Yeah. But the last communication from Hello Games, other than the <laughs> No Man's Sky was a mistake tweet, yeah. was um, uh, September 8th, September 8th or 9th, yeah. the, the last update. Not good enough. That's my turkey. Has that ever happened? Other, before in the modern era? No. That kind of like pure silence no. on that kind of thing? That's why it's insane. It's crazy. Because it's funny that like I can think of a couple games I've played that I felt were more misrepresented. Oh, yeah. But like lots more. But this fueled that fire. The, right. That's what level. I'm trying to say. The way he dealt with it just made it worse. It's like mm. he just threw gasoline onto it. Like, 
And did he gobble did, gobble? And did he not know? I, I have so many questions. I'd love to f- meet the guy in a bar. We'll find out someday. I don't mean to, to say that. Hopefully, I mean, we'll that be sounds alive. Like a, that sounds like I want to take him out back. That's not. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I don't want to beat him up in a pub. I want to. I'd love to just know. It's like so. Like somewhere around like, I don't know. October. Yeah. You didn't think that maybe <laughs> I should say something. Tweet something. It's like, hey, how's everyone doing? It was already too late by then as I guess well. So. Like he needed to address it like right away when the storm blew up, and he he didn't. So gobble gobble. I'm pretty shocked that um, I know a lot of people that had some money riding on the idea of whether they'd ever update again, and I'm a little shocked that the people that bet against them updating are going to lose their money. Really? I knew they would. I. I would have. I didn't bet against them. I didn't bet anything, actually. Yeah. Um, but when October came and went, I kind of felt like it might be over. I didn't think so. I, no. I knew they, they had to. They had to update it. It's too broken to not update it again. Well, unless, like, you know, I mean, you're right that you know whatever they do next is going to be automatically like scrutinized. But if they just decided to all kind of like, you know. Like the conspiracies goes, like we're going to split the difference. We're all going to go to our separate Caribbean islands, and yeah. that's going to be. You know, I could see that just. Sort they of made enough money off No Man's Sky to do it. <laughs> that's the funny part. They're laughing all the way to the bank. All right, it's time to move on to the last topic, which isn't really a topic. Just want to talk to you guys about a couple changes coming to the site. First of all, by now, I'm hoping that you guys have all seen that the T-shirts are now on sale on the website. Some of you guys asked to uh, see them being worn, so that's why I made sure to wear one on the show tonight. I know Sam hates when we wear t-shirts because the mic always like rubs against it and you get mic hits. <laughs> so anytime you hear that doom, doom, doom on the show, that's usually the mic hitting a t-shirt. But I wanted to rock one out today so you guys could see it. Um, five different designs. I think they're all cool. I think they're all different. There should be something there for all of you guys. Please go buy them. Um, this is something that you guys asked for. You wanted shirts. You wanted merch. We put out a ton of money to get the shirts printed up. Uh, it would really, really suck if people didn't buy them up. So, uh, you know, you guys have donated a lot of money to Sifted. This is your chance to actually, for us to give you something back for your money. It would make us feel really good. And it would certainly help us financially as well. So please, please, please go buy a shirt. We ship anywhere. I will admit, you know, the prices for shipping overseas are high. They are the cheapest we could find to ship shirts overseas, I promise you. Uh, Screwing at one sifter in Guam. Yeah. <laughs> it's been crazy some of the like the addresses we've got to ship to. I've been really impressed by how international the sifted audience is, and I kind of knew that already. But uh, What percentage of sifted subscribers are like European? Like 30%. Yeah? Yeah. Not bad. That's pretty high. Just to consider what time they have to be up for this. Yeah, yeah. Um, thank you to those of you who have bought the shirts already. We already have a ton of orders. We started uh, boxing them up and uh, getting them ready to ship yesterday. I worked pretty much all day on Thanksgiving. And I'm here. I'm working on Black Friday, too. So thank you to those of you who bought the shirts already. Really appreciate it. We need to sell a lot more. My wife will thank you when all those boxes are out of our back bedroom. Uh, but, yeah, for those of you who bought them, the shirts uh, were, were getting packaged up. And they'll probably be shipped out on Monday. So those of you who live in the U.S., you should get it a day or two after. Those of you in Europe, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. I don't know how long it'll take to get there. But uh, we'll be sending those out. So head to the store, buy some shirts. Some One person bought all of them. Bought all five. One of each. One of each, yeah, in, in his size. So thank you very much for that. I appreciate it. Uh, if you guys have been on the site today, then you know the Save for Later feature was just added today. 
and it is really, really cool. I know you hear about it now. You're like, oh, I read everything, and I, you don't. Like, there's a lot of things that you see, and you don't realize subliminally that your brain says to you, don't have time for that, and you move on. Well, now you have to worry about it. If you find something on the site that you really like and you don't have time to check it out, maybe it's a huge feature, or maybe it's a Let's Play that's like an hour long. You don't have time to sit and watch the whole Let's Play. There's a little flag underneath each blog entry now. If you click on that, it will add it to your watch later list. And then you can either go to the new hamburger menu, which is like that menu with the three lines, and you can click on that, and you can go to, to the uh, bookmarks tab there, or you can hover over your avatar, and there's a link right there for your bookmarks as well. Um, and that'll take you to the list of all the stuff that you save for later. Um, if you want to delete something from the list, you have to click the X. Just clicking on the link, kind of like you know, with our notifications, if you click on a notification and you come back, it's gone. Save for later does not work that way. You can click on it and come back, it'll still be there. Uh, it's also really handy for reference stuff. So for instance, I use this on the site today. Like there, for the first time ever, we got like the Wii U and Nintendo 3DS first party sales numbers. Like Nintendo put them out like a month ago and I was like, holy crap. Like you'd always had to kind of figure it out with math and like the MPD numbers they gave you and whatnot. Well, Nintendo like gave them away finally with specific numbers of how each one sold. And I was like, oh, I want to keep this for forever to use for reference when I have a question about something. Mm-hmm. That's also the type of thing that you can use for save it for later and just leave it there forever if you want to go back and reference it. So it seems like a very simple feature at first, but really when you start thinking about it and how you can use it, there's a lot of depth there. Uh, big thanks to Brent Phillips, who uh, as always, he built the feature. Didn't even tell me he was doing it. Uh, just texted me today, and he's like, hey, this is live. And I was like, ah, I'm getting ready for the show. i got to get promotion for that done. Got all that up, and uh, hopefully you guys are enjoying the feature, and you'll use it in the future. Just another layer of the onion unsifted. Uh, seems to just get another thicker. layer of the onion in the hamburger menu. <laughs> in the hamburger menu. That's a good point. Uh, and the last thing I want to bring up before we go to our trailer of the week is... We are going to slowly migrate over to using YouTube's player. And it is for a number of reasons. Uh, one of the big reasons is cost. Our bandwidth bills have just continued to go through the roof. And we honestly just cannot afford to keep serving Game Faces three hours long <laughs> a week. That's really what's happened. Is This show has gotten longer and longer. Our bandwidth bills have gotten higher and higher, and we just have not had the revenue to offset it. And so we're just getting to a place where we need to look a little more intelligently at our resources, and so we are going to start phasing in the YouTube player. So that's the first reason, just base level financially. It makes more sense for us. Second reason is their player's way better than ours. Like, our player only goes up to 1080p, their player goes up to, like, 8K, I think it does, mm-hmm. like, in its highest setting. Um, and so as games start to evolve, the PlayStation 4 Pro just came out. Um, we're going to start looking at doing content in higher resolutions. We've actually been shooting Pactor Factor in 4K for ever since we got our new cameras. <laughs> I don't know if you want to see Pactor Factor yeah, in 4K. Yeah, I was going to say. I'm, I'm gonna wait, I'll wait to, to bust that out on another one, the next one he wears shorts in. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but so, the, the, just so you know, the, the videos are not just going to go up on our YouTube channel so anyone can watch them. They're, we're just using their player, and the videos will be set to private. So only people who are subscribers to Sifted will actually have a link to the video. So it's not like we're just giving away our, uh, our premium content or anything like that. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's what's going to be going on down. Feel free to uh, 
leave comments in uh, below the video here. This will probably be the last episode of Game Face that goes on to Sifted's player. So the other part of it too is that like, you know, we've been compressing the hell out of the video to try to save money on Sifted. The video quality that people are gonna get on YouTube is going to be way better. I know we got that comment when we first launched Sifted. They're like, hey, why did Game Face look better hmm. on YouTube? Well, it's because there are no limits on YouTube. You can mm -hmm. feed it as big a file as you want and they send it through their compression. With us, like everything you do, you're thinking about, okay, you do the math of, well, we do this many hours of HD content per month, and then how much does it cost for us to serve it? And what if we tweak this setting in our rendering? And what if we change our compression routine? With YouTube, that all goes away. And uh, be able to add like timestamps to our content. Like right now, we're just typing them into like the comments. Like we'll actually be able to give you stamps that'll send you directly to it's just so much better in so many ways. Brent has been trying to get me to do this for a long time, and I kept saying no. And I just finally realized there's no good reason for us to not, do, not to do it. So we are moving to a YouTube player in the very near future. And I think ultimately you guys will be very happy over it. So uh, I think that's it. Uh, we do have our trailer of the week this week, and it's one of the best ones we've had in months. Um, this is a fan-made... CG sequence based on Majora's Mask by YouTube channel Ember Lab. It's Which called... will not be nominated next year at the Game Awards. <laughs> You're absolutely right. <laughs> uh, it's called Majora's Mask Terrible Fate. Seriously, one of the best pieces of video game media I have seen in a long, long time. Check it out and get those questions in. Here.
That's just insane. Like, for somebody to do that for free and just put it on YouTube, like, wow. I know it's easier to do that kind of stuff now, but yeah. it's not that I mean, it easy. It still takes talent. Yeah. And it takes a lot of time. Definitely. That's some impressive stuff right there. Uh, let's get to questions. We're, like, way over time already. We talked a long time about Final Fantasy, but I think it was worth it because I think we may have saved some of you guys from purchasing the game on Tuesday. We'll see. Uh, let's see, from Swanson, what's up Swanson, what was your favorite dish from your Thanksgiving feast? Um, we just had pot roast, we didn't do much. I didn't even have Thanksgiving dinner. My wife went home, I stayed here because I had to work. I literally spent Thanksgiving day all day by myself. Hmm. And then last night I made, I made like orange chicken from Trader Joe's, and then I had... These mini pumpkin pies in the freezer <laughs> that I defrosted and I ate one while it was still cold. There's my Thanksgiving feast. I watched a couple football games. I watched one football game, watched a Steelers game, and watched parts of the others, but that was pretty much it. Uh, let's see. Best Jeppy, have you voted on any Steam Awards? If so, what was, you, what was one of your choices? I have not. Um, I have not either. But I will probably join in the masses saying, uh, you know, doing the write-in for a game that deserves a sequel, Half-Life 2. Because it's not going to do anything, but every <laughs> once in a while it's just nice to let Valve know that we're still pissed. Uh, Fengato, not a question, just want to say you guys are always a great watch. Thank you, man. Appreciate that. We don't get very many compliments in the stream. Not in the stream. We get in the comments. Yeah, yeah. Um, on the archive on the site we do, but very rarely in the live stream. So thank you very much, man. Really appreciate it. No, the, the, the stream fa the stream's like a family. It's like, you know, we, you don't have to say it to each other. Yeah, you yeah. Know, At the know. end, everyone says great show, which is awesome. Look, if you're sitting here for three hours watching us babble on, I assume you think we're okay. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Uh, Diggy Do 15 uh, Shane, would you ever go on Giant Bomber Kind of Funny shows to talk about Sifted? Hell yeah, I would. <laughs> of course I would. They don't invite me. Nobody invites me to do anything. I feel like everyone in this industry hates me. I don't know what it is. People act like Sifted doesn't exist. They don't invite me on any of their shows. Like, Matt, I saw the one guy uh, was like, hey, does anybody, does anyone play Call of Duty? I need someone on a show mm -hmm. stat. And you were like... Hit you up. Shane, yeah. I have been on that guy's podcast like two years ago with Garnet. He never even like texted me. Hmm. I don't know what it is, man. I don't get it. No one seems to want to support Sifted. It's frustrating. It is what it is. I'm not going to cry over spilt milk. Crying doesn't do any good. It just makes things worse. Uh, w. Matthew, given the softness of retail sales and the 60% spike for NVIDIA's Year over year, is it likely that game sales aren't dropping but moving? Yeah, I think you said something along those lines of like, yeah. you know, 
people are waiting for sales. People know they don't have to pay full price anymore if they're patient. I think what Matthew's getting at is that maybe people are just buying more games on PC now, and it's yeah. all digital where it's not really tracked. So, yeah, it's very possible. Um, but on the flip side of that, sales of processors and PC parts are, like, way down. Yeah. But that could be a factor of... <clears throat> it doesn't mean less enthusiasts are buying them. It just means our moms aren't buying desktops anymore, right. which is true. It is. Like, they're just not. They all use and their And also, remember, like, it makes sense for graphics cards to be a little bit over the rest of hardware because that's the main thing. You know, very, little, very few games are CPU-intensive these days. It's all yeah. run through the GPU, so, like, it's much easier to just upgrade that until you really hit a wall with your CPU. Yeah. Mnemic, uh, another frequent watcher of the live stream... Matt mentioned Sucker Punch earlier in the show. If you were responsible for assigning their next game, what would you have them make and why? Oh. Rocket Robot on Wheels 2. Mm. <laughs> That's a terrible idea. Yeah. Good for I me, would, not for I anybody would, else. I wouldn't mind a, a remaster of that one. Yeah. Um, highly underrated platformer. Um, I brought my copy of that with me when I went up there for an interview once and uh, had a the red guys, cartridge. The red cartridge, a couple of them sign it, and they were all like, can't believe anyone owns this. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if that game's worth money now. No. No. They're just, they made enough of them that it's not. Yeah, I don't, also, no one knows what it is, no one cares. But like, Those are usually the games, though, that can't end up being worth get, money. Uh, you, yeah, but you also have to be discovered as a gem, and no one even bothered to do that right. with Rocket Robot. There's a small group of people that know the glory of Rocket Robot on Wheels, and there's not many of us. There are two of them. Two. 50% of them are sitting right yeah. here. Infamy, party of two. <laughs> table's ready. This is um, a tough question, because it's like, yeah. do you just come up with something? That, or is he asking, like, a game that some other publisher makes that you would right. want them to take on? I mean, obviously, I would like, I will always take more Sly Cooper. Um, but, like, in terms of, like, something I'd like to see them tackle? Hmm... Like, I'd like, I mean, I don't know if it's up their, their alley, but I'd love to see what they could do with, like, like an, op like an open-world action RPG kind of thing, but, like, without a template. Like, without a, like, oh, make a fantasy. No, just, like, go crazy. Like, do whatever the hell you want. Like, maybe even, like, an open-world action RPG is set in, like, the, the, the Sly Cooper universe. That'd like be crazy. Something to sort of, That's definitely going crazy. Yeah. Okay, uh, if you could work for any video... This is from Rewind Play Labs. Mm -hmm. If you could work for any video game company, what company would you want to work for? Insomniac. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I don't even have to think about that yeah, one. Yeah, uh, one, Ted's amazing. Two, it gets, like, best place to work mm. in the world, like, every year. Three, we wouldn't have to relocate. Right. <laughs> and four... Uh, I have never met anyone from Insomniac who didn't have tremendous like satisfaction and pride in their work there. Yep, they like, love they, working they love there. It. They're it's... all cool and fun to hang out with. And they make I really good one, games. I did have one tip with Insomniac many moons ago, but it was sorted out very quickly and we're all good now. But that was the only time I ever saw any bite from that place. Yeah? Yeah. They thought I had slighted one of their games on Invisible Walls, and it was really weird. I was like, I couldn't even believe that they watched it. <laughs> like, I went to a meeting in a hotel room, and I went to go in, and, like, their one person, like, pulls me out, and it's like, we need to talk. And I'm like, what? <laughs> those are the weird... Like, getting cornered by game developers is one of the, it's those so things, one weird. Of the weirdest I, things. I remember the first thing I said to him was, you watch Invisible Walls. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's always the. I remember we got that happened with a, a developer from. Uh, like, they better things to do. No, they like, don't. <laughs> we got. I remember Cecil and I got cornered by a guy who who worked on Blood Wake. Oh God! Remember that game? And like, 
There's nothing worse than trying to get harassed by developers who make really bad yeah. games. Well, also, but like, of course, he was upset because we like, you know, he didn't like the review segment. And Adam and I was like, "Wow, you watch?" You know? <laughs> like, it was that same reaction. Like, you watch the show? Like, that's crazy. It was like when Adam found out at he was at some charity party thing, and he found out that um, Steven Spielberg watched feedback, and like he's like, "Yeah, Steven said thanks for the kind words about Boom Blocks." <laughs> so it's like Steven who? He's like Steven Spielberg. I'm, it was, it was, he's like. What? what? And I'm like, dude, you can't tell me that Steven Spielberg watches this damn show now. I'm never going to... You know. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, let's see. A couple more. Case Money. Uh, sale. Safe to say Nintendo is the number one developer ever. Who would you say is number two? Uh, number one developer ever. I mean, it's hard to say because like, if you want to lump all these different development teams into Nintendo... Sure. I think it's easy, Blizzard. But, like, yeah, Blizzard is probably... <laughs> like, I think it's the only other company that can really compare to Nintendo, honestly. Yeah. If Valve had continued making games, maybe, they might But even it Nintendo. started too late. I mean, you look at Blizzard, yeah. like, where... It goes back to 92 or whatever, yeah. Yeah. That's my answer, anyway. Uh, uh, Do 15 asks, Is it bad that I wait for games to go on sale? Am I hurting the game industry? I would say it's not your job to make sure the game industry Yeah, it's really survives. not. I mean, you're not pirating stuff, just like you're, you know, you're paying a fair retail you're, price. Honestly, you're just being smart. Yeah. Like, like you got to watch, you gotta watch out for your own wallet, man. I mean, like, if you want something full price because you want it, go ahead. But, like, it, it's not anyone's business but your own if you want to wait for a lower price on something. Uh, ne- never feel guilty about wanting a, a good deal. Here's one from the Legacy. Is Final Fantasy XV Japan's Destiny? <laughs> that's a pretty oh, good yeah. analogy, actually. Yeah. And that's funny, because I initially read that as, like, are all Japanese games going to be this? Oh. Eventually. <laughs> and then I realized when you read that, I'm like, oh, he's comparing it to the game Destiny. Yeah. I get, um... I don't, I don't think so, necessarily. Well, I don't know. Phenom- as a phenomenon, maybe. Like, Destiny's problem was that it played really well, but it lacked content. This one lack- has tons of content, but doesn't play very well. Right. Um, but, you know, con- Converse yeah, can it- be equivalents <laughs> in some cases. It is episode 69. True. It's like the yin and the yang fitting together. Yeah. 69, dude. Those two games could 69 each other. Oh. <laughs> What a baby they would make. Well, uh, not if they're 69ing. <laughs> Dabble124, thank you very much for uh, following Sam me. really liked that. Yeah. <laughs> Dabble124, thank you very much for supporting me through all the years, man. I appreciate it. I see your comment there, man. Uh, Snowpiercer, which will be the better game, Last Guardian or Final Fantasy XV? Hmm. <laughs> mm. I have to guess Last Guardian, but I'm not gonna put money on that one. I can't say anything. I have not played. Haven't played either. Final one. Fantasy fi- either. Yeah, I mean, I've I played both of them. Look, there's Trages, something, there's but... something specifically frustrating about Final Fantasy 15 because it falls in all the same traps that Square has been. The same mistake Square has been making when trying to emulate Western stuff for so long, and I'm just kind of tired of seeing them stumble. Last Guardian, at least, is probably gonna be terrible in a whole new way <laughs> they've never made a bad game before so it'll be interesting maybe, maybe their bad game will be an interesting journey but i hope it's i hope it's at least mediocre <laughs> that's my hope uh let's see we'll answer one more oh there's tons in here sorry guys we only get to one more 
Um, Dinky Do 15 asks if there's any cool stories about Sessler Klepik. Um, I think the coolest thing I, I've ever seen Klepik do uh, was when he broke the story about Infinity Ward. Uh, when that whole thing blew up and he was the one to break that story on G4 and he was we were there real late and he was like calling people on I mean it was like being in a, it was almost like being in a newsroom in the old days you know yeah. it was like he was on the phone with sources and we were like you know, there was like a board with like you know what was happening and who said what or what we could what he could use is actually you know that was confirmed by more than one person and I mean he was it was I was watching you know you got to sit there and watch him do journalism yeah as it was meant to be done and, you know, in a way that we don't get the opportunity to in this industry much, because yeah. most press is just sort of a PR outlet. But he yeah. was out there breaking a story and doing journalism. And it was, I wasn't part of that story because I was just there because we, you know, we were there late editing and stuff. But I got to watch him work. And that was, uh, that was a treat. That was the cool, one of the cooler moments of G4, I would say. There you go. With that, show's over, kids. Hope everyone's have a great Thanksgiving. I know a lot of you guys are probably still on holiday throughout the weekend, so be safe, have fun, eat all those leftovers. Yep. That's one thing I don't have to worry about. No leftovers when you don't have Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> Nothing to worry about afterwards. <laughs> so everyone have a great weekend. I saw a couple questions about Geif. I am shooting an episode of Geif tomorrow, so should be on the way very soon. Sorry for the delays on all that, but uh, life happens. So... Everyone have an excellent weekend. Thanks to everyone who stayed up late uh, in Europe. I see a couple of you guys in the chat. We really appreciate it. Game Face is up and out.